You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to be here with you guys. It's yeah. great to be here. At the table today, I'm Landon. We have Zach. Hello. And we have Harris. Hey, I'm new here. How's it going? What's up, Harris? <laughs> hey. Uh, that is Zach Harris. We're yep. going to start calling him Harris on the podcast <coughs> to end all the confusion. Yeah. Apparently, Zach A got some hate mail for some comments that Zach H made on the last podcast. Sure, they're like, I can't pick out what Zach was saying it. Now. Oh, you did too? Wait, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Dang. You know, I've actually, in, like, in the wild, I won't say who it was, uh, but they were like, are you, are you Zach A? I was like, uh, nope, that's not me. Whoa, was someone? You're like, good, I hate that mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Do you know who it was? Uh, Now I do. I know them now. So it was somebody that, like, I had encountered uh, on the Instagram before, mm. but I had never spoken to them. I just remember seeing their name. And they were, we were sitting there, and he, he actually used your Instagram handle. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you want me to say wow. it. Wow, but yeah. How does goes, that make you he feel? Goes, Are you Zach's fish photos? I was like, in my head, I was like, I look nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't even, we maybe a little tiny bit. At least he recognizes you're Zach. That's true. Well, because yeah. I introduced myself. Hey, I'm Zach. And he yeah, goes, like, Oh, are you? I was like, Nope, not. Nope, not me. But thought that was kind of mm. funny. Did that hurt the ego a little bit? Not at all. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. No. Could, it actually us. boosted the ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Uh, Zach, what are we drinking tonight? Ooh, we are drinking uh, a Sangiovese, which is a style of grape, but this is a McPherson uh, vintage 2019. If you guys don't know, McPherson is based out of Lubbock. And so all their grapes are Texas High Plains. That's the region that they come from. Um, this style of grape is also one of the most grown grapes, especially in Italy. Uh, and it's more commonly used in Chianti's. So have you heard mm-hmm. of that before? Yeah, so that's what it is. But I don't know. I really like McPherson wines. When I was at Tech, um, I would go there every now and then, especially like when parents would come into town. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been there? It's good. I've been to Lano. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but they have they make uh, good wines there, but I don't know. I'm a fan of this one. What do you guys think? That's great. Yeah, yep. it's good. I like it better than the last one, I think. The last one was the novelty Game <coughs> of Thrones one, right? I and it aware. was a novelty. Yeah, exactly. It was Pinot Noir. <coughs> it was very okay, but, like, it was also very muted and just not great. This one, however, like, I don't know. I'm into it. And for only like twelve bucks, dude, I'd buy this again. Yeah, it's good. It has a nice lingering flavor too, mm-hmm. but not like it's the last one we had. The Pinot Noir too was very like tannin for like yeah, it, yeah. your whole mouth was like <coughs> like yeah. dried well, this up. One's, this one's nice. 
Gustav. Yeah, there's a little, a little curry to it, but it's very good. Mm-hmm. So today we're gonna be using the interview from Trout Fest where we interviewed Yako. Yako. So that's gonna come later in the show, but we have a lot of things to talk about before that. First, let's do uh, let's do this. Let's do a <coughs> conservation. No, no, no. On patrol. I'm sorry. On patrol. So you guys remember like a couple months ago when we reported that a restaurant in San Antonio was caught selling shark fin soup? Yeah. Well, and we didn't know what restaurant it was. Not at all. Well, we know now. Van's restaurant closes after bad health inspection and the shark fin scandal. So... I don't really have anything to update other than say that they're closed and we know what restaurant it is. They failed their health inspection. They've had a lot of controversy with the shark fin soup, and COVID hit. So they kind of got the uh, trifecta everything. of everything is what this article says. Um, the building is now vacant. But does it have, like, the ghosts of sharks past living in there? I don't know. The restaurant was opened in 1995. What about 96? I'm assuming it was still open <laughs> in 96, Zach. So, so you guys may need to catch me up on this because I, I don't remember hearing about this shark fin. Oh, so we know scandal. who wasn't listening to our podcast. Wow. Listen, man. I Harris. Anyway, tell me about this shark fin. <laughs> <laughs> so a restaurant in San Antonio got caught with, like, an absurd amount of shark fins. Like, they laid them all out after they caught them out, and it probably uh, filled, like, from here to, like, oh the one. I want to say, like, 250 is the number. If I was to guess based on memory, I would say somewhere around the 250 okay. shark fins. 75 to 1,000. Yeah, 25 to 50. Shut up, Now, I'm going to say about 250. Um, and... It was reported. It was it was reported on heavily, but they would never name the restaurant in the articles. We were trying to figure out what restaurant it was. Everyone was like deep diving into these like photos, trying to figure out. I know that spot parking spot. I know where they're at. I know where they're at. I've seen that parking stripe before. Yeah, real dude, really. (laughs) But nobody was right. So we couldn't figure it out. And uh, anyway, they finally announced what restaurant it was. Now that they're shut down, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So. Justice has been served. Exactly, right? Oh, that's intense. I mean, I don't even know the regulations on, on shark fins. Is that you can't legal? Do it. You can't do it, right? No. Yeah, okay. Wow. So how are they Can't serving? kill sharks. How much are less they? can't kill them for their fins. So Right, and I figured that. Uh, that's what I thought anyway. So how are they serving shark fin soup? Illegally. Illegally. So what does it say on the menu? Not shark fins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm assuming. I wonder how you get in that special club. Like, how do you? Yeah. Is it like the Starbucks? I want the pink drink. Like, you just got to know it's there to to order it. Kind yep. of thing. Exactly. I want the the pointy fin. I want the pointy fin. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Give me the Bruce special. The bro. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be the Bruce. Yep. Nice. Wow. You could do that. Or the bun dump. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, can I get the bundle inside of fries? 
Guy's on a roll. <laughs> All right. I got one more article for you guys. Uh-huh. This is going to be a neat things in nature. The bundle. Okay. I have dedicated my professional career to the study and control of arthropods. Have you guys heard about the tree that owns itself? What? Uh, no, because it's not sentient. No. Okay. So this is in <laughs> Athens, Georgia. Uh-huh. So basically there's a tree, like a real famous tree there, uh-huh. that... Um, the guy that owned the land deeded the land to the tree itself. And so basically no one, there's like a eight square feet around the tree, I think, is like owned by the tree itself. Yeah. So they can't tear the tree down. They can't do anything. It's like the tree owns its own land. I feel like that's a neat little loophole that somebody found. Yeah. You know how the tree signed for it too? They just taped a pen to one of its limbs and let it flow in the wind. wind. (laughs) His actual name is... "Mm." (laughs) This guy. (laughs) What's in this wine? (laughs) (laughs) So, the tree, uh, the original giant oak, uh, at about 400 years old, fell over during a windstorm on October 1942. And not wanting the tradition to die, members... Of the Junior Ladies Garden <coughs> Club of Athens, of Athens um, basically took one of the acorns from the tree and planted it in its place. And now the junior has been growing since 1942. Oh. And because it's the offspring of the original tree, like the deed transfers <laughs> to the new wow. tree. To the offspring. Yeah, to the offspring. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's since cool. it's a descendant. Yeah, yeah. So kind of just a cool, interesting fact. I feel like we need to make sure that keeps going, right? Like they need to do some kind of like city ordinance or something where it's like when this tree falls, somebody has to plant a plant new acorn, acorn. Mm. and yep. just like keep it going. That'd be pretty cool. Yep. Unless there's oil underneath it, then they'll they'll rip them up quickly. I mean, how you much know. do you think that that tree is going to be flowing in money? I'll <laughs> tell you <laughs> what. How much do you think it's willing to sell its property? <laughs> <laughs> it's they can move him to a they can move it to a new location. Exactly. And he could be rich. Money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he could have. I don't know. What would like a tree want to know, spend it, its money on? Uh, air, <laughs> air, pest, <Wow>. pest control, <laughs> <laughs> anti-scroll technology. Yeah, anti-scroll technology. <laughs> 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 that reminds me of the the ma- the dog mayor. You know, the dog mayor. Yeah, dog mayor. They elected a dog. Who yeah. did? I don't, oh, I don't know. There's I've like three of them out there now. You're the one with the computer. Look it up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's a mayor. I think it's a Maine, or it might be like in yeah, Vermont. It's one of those there. states like that. They just got sick of everybody's shit. Exactly. Meet the dog who's the mayor of a town. Yep. That was on the Kelly Clarkson show. Yeah, see, that's how I found out. The Kelly Clarkson that's show. How, that's you were watching. Big Kelly fan. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly. For some reason, that doesn't surprise me, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Actually, I don't think I can tell you I've watched Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> I didn't even know but she had you, one. If you oh, told yeah, me you were a fan, that wouldn't surprise me. Oh, yeah, no, dude. Screw Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Ellen. I'm personally a Steve fan. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> right into Family Feud. <laughs> and Harris, what are you a Judge Judy fan? Uh, yeah, no, Jerry Springer. Actually. Jerry Springer. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 Steve. The funny thing is, I watched it as a kid. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of learned a lot of. In college, we used to watch Mari like two o'clock. Oh, and my roommate yeah. didn't have class and be like on every day oh, at two. Yeah. We would watch. Mari from like two to two thirty. You are not the father. Who's you the are not the father. So you said Steve Harvey, or are you talking about the bald guy from Jerry Springer? Steve. Okay. Steve Wil- uh, Wil- Wilkos. Wilkos. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but his show is just called Steve. Steve. Right, but he used to be a, a the like bouncer. A bouncer on yeah. Jerry Springer. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's, you know, I good times. Our generation needs to be exposed. The new generation needs to be exposed to Jerry Springer. Yeah. They didn't know what's really out there. Definitely. That. Honestly, yeah. I find myself watching Jerry Springer. They pop up on my Facebook feed, and probably because I keep watching them. Yeah. I'm like, oh. oh, yeah. It's good stuff. It's like very It's very entertaining. Oh, yeah. It teaches you how to live on the streets. You know what you got to work with. Did you guys ever watch that show, uh, Celebrity Deathmatch? No. You know what it is? No idea. Oh, it was like an MTV show late at night where <coughs> they would make celebrities out of clay and have them wrestle each other. Not like in real life, but like they would have like their clay models like wrestle each other. And they made a game out of it, and I had the game. But That's Jerry Springer was one. Was this like a Game Boy game? or No, it was like a PlayStation 2 game. Really? And yeah, and like Jerry Springer was... Uh, you guys want to start streaming on Twitch, dude? Yeah, dude. Celebrity Deathmatch on PS2. It was so much fun, but like, there's some things I did. Like, you, you could play as Ron Jeremy, you know? What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he like, what a, was his weapon? I'm a, curious. A <laughs> Honestly, like this gigantic, uh, you know, male appendage would come out, and he'd ride it around and hit people in the face with it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. This is a real thing. Uh, yeah, look again, computer, look it up. Celebrity um, deathmatch game. Yeah, specifically the Ron Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, it was crazy. And like uh, Jerry Springer would have his microphone, and like his attack would he like smack people with his microphone or something. I don't know. And I think like if you got like the special up, like Steve would come running in and like attack somebody for you. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was crazy. But like the the clay was bad, so it almost like. A little cringy to look at, but it was fun. Huh. I don't know how we got from Dog Mayor to that, but it was a pretty big Na- jump. Here we yeah. are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. Celebrity death match. People will prob- probably remember that. Uh, Zach, you brought something that you wanted to talk to us about. Oh yeah, I did. So I was curious at school today, and I was like, I wonder what the hardest fish are to catch, right? Now, I couldn't find a good one that was just talking about fly fishing. Right. So, what are some fish that you think are definitely on here? Mm. This is just the hardest yeah, fish to catch in the hardest world? Hardest that are game fish. Worldwide? Yes. And it's only game fish? Yeah. Arapaima. Uh, that's not on here. What? Yeah. Really? Great white shark. No, right. that's not a game fish. You said there are some game yeah, fish. Yeah, I was under no, the impression. They are all game fish. They are all okay. game fish. Okay. No, it's not like, oh, the, the deep sea minnow. It's not like that. <laughs> the, the angler fish. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, is permit on the list? Permit is on the list. What's it, what's its number? I'm going to guess seven. Ooh, it is number four. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So what's harder to catch than a permit? Yeah, it's actually a good a one. A sheep's head. Tell you what, I'll, I'll, tell you top <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll give you five is... Uh, Musculunge, so not a traditional, right? right. The so smaller version. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Really? Yep. So there's Sturgeon on the list? Permit. Uh, sturgeon is on the list, <laughs> but it's not until 12. The only one I know for sure that's on that list is number one. Okay, what do you think number one is? Any fish in front of me. <laughs> 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 All right, so seriously, uh, Musculunge, <coughs> Permit. What do you guys think number three is? <sighs> Another fish. Trigger fish. Nope. Swordfish. Uh, it is on the list, not there. Okay. And what's th- what's this ranked by? Is it like difficulty yeah. to eat the lure 
or just difficulty or to get to them? To get overall. Because um, I would say Tarpon. Tarpon's number three. Oh, yep. let's go. Really? But it's not a difficulty of getting them to eat. It's a difficulty of landing it once, landing you, uh, it once, you, once you hook it. Because the d- difficulty with permit is getting them to eat. Yeah. But once you have them on, it's just, right. you know. I mean, they can come off, but not like tarpon. Yeah. Yep. So number two. What's harder than a tarpon and a permit? It is a type of billfish. But not swordfish. Not swordfish. See, I feel like swordfish, I, I've never fished for them, but I feel like that would be the hardest It's a type one. of billfish. I'm not super familiar with it. Sailfish, marlin? marlin. Marlin? Yeah, blue marlin. Blue marlin. Okay. Yep. And then number one. Tuna? No. Rio Grande cichlid. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't, don't, I, I don't say it yet. Give us a hint. Give us a hint. Uh, I don't color know. Is it? I don't know enough. Uh, do we know? Do we definitely know what this fish is? You do know what this fish is. It has a fun name. A fun name. Uh, like you would say, its name going down a roller coaster. We <laughs> <laughs> close. <laughs> or holy shit. No. 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 Hmm. no. no. Go back towards when you were thinking we. Woo. <laughs> oh, you're closer. Wahoo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's number one. Okay, yeah, so huh. you gave us five through one. I would just read the list uh, down six so through the rest. Fifteen tuna, fourteen <laughs> sailfish, thirteen Apache trout, twelve sturgeon, eleven Ooh, swordfish. I didn't think of sturgeon. Yep. I said sturgeon. You did? Yeah. Yep. I didn't Ten Goliath tigerfish, nine the greater amberjack, eight giant trevally or GT, seven roosterfish, and six. Dolphin fish. The greater amberjack is on there. I f- I've never, again, I've never fished for them, but I feel like I always hear of people catching them off the rigs. Amberjacks, yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know if there's a, a regular amberjack and a greater amberjack. I don't know that much about them, yeah. but I, so I think it's the same fish. Apache trout is on there just because they're so hard to find. It would have to be. Yep. It makes this list because of how rare it has become over the years. Okay. Hmm. Do you guys agree with that list? I mean, a lot of them are, are saltfish, you know. It's it's hard to agree with it when you haven't caught all of those fish. Yeah. I think a lot of them are probably just hard to catch based on availability and access. I mean, most of these fish, if you don't have a few grand, you're not even going to be able to access the, the fish, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, here's a fun – if this is wrong, somebody fact check. Somebody fact check me, please. But – if I remember correctly, speaking, because in my old job, I met a lot of people from all over the world. Like, they would come here to and buy their gear just because of price. And uh, I've met people from Australia that refer to Amberjack as kingfish. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, in Australia, they call Amberjack kingfish, while here we have Amberjack and a kingfish. It's two different things. Cool stuff. That is cool. Interesting, interesting fact, I think. So hmm. If anybody didn't know that. I did not, but that's cool. Well, you guys want to talk about my recent catch now? Yes, I've been. Not really. No, no. you're not no, interested. No. I'll leave the room for this dying. one. <laughs> I'm just going to go sit in the corner. I'm a little jealous. That's pretty cool. Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay. What was it, Landon? It was a koi. A koi. A koi. I've heard this story before. Did it end in handcuffs? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this story did not end in handcuffs. I'll have you guys know. I was legally fishing. I stayed later than I was allowed to be. But uh, so, so I don't I don't want to give away where I was fishing. Obviously, you have been there. Yep. You know where I was fishing. Uh huh. And you, I'm pretty sure, have seen the yep. two koi that are in this area. Yeah, I saw one. 
Okay. So I was trout fishing. Yep, it was at the Hampton Inn. At the Hampton. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trout fishing, trying to catch some fish. I'm on a lease that is different than the GRTU lease, and they uh, in April they open it up to where you can take fish home because they're not going to survive the summer. So I was out trying to catch me two fish to cook up on the smoker. So real make quick, a YouTube video. I'm going to ask, and if this is too much info to give out, just say so. Is this a river or a tank or a lake? This is a, a creek. Pond? Okay. This is a creek that flows into one of our major hill country rivers. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, I'll tell you where it is off air. I don't care. I know. You, you already said in, like, you said the name of the place. Okay. When you told us about it. Okay. Gotcha. So, no need. So, I was uh, trying to catch some trout. I was nymphing, no, having no luck doing that. Then I uh, put on some dry flies and was like, man, I'm going to nail them on the dry flies because I saw a couple fish like coming up every once in a while. I actually hooked two trout on dry flies but didn't land either one of them. So I was, you know, it was getting later and later and darker and darker, and I don't have that much time left to fish. And I see the koi, which I had seen multiple times already that day, but he was feeding because every time I've seen them, they're just cruising around. And uh, he was feeding, kicking up mud, and I was like, game on. So I cut my dry flies off. Didn't have my cart box with me because I was there to just trout fish. But I picked the carpiest bug in my trout box. And, uh, and at this point, it's almost dark. I can still see the fish. I can still s consider, like, sight fishing it. But, like, I only have, like, one or two minutes of daylight left to where before it's going to be too dark to kind of see into the water. So I make uh, probably like on my third or fourth cast at this fish because it was kind of hard to judge. Like the, the fish was feeding in a lot of current, and it was kind of hard to judge, you know, the sink rate of the fly with where the fish was. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but trying to get everything to match up. So and then it, I see it. It sees the fly, goes over, picks it up. I set the hook, and then it's pretty much game on for probably 30 minutes. That long. Oh, man. What weight rod were you using? This was a five weight on 4X. Oh, Whoa. Whoa. Okay, I get it now. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's not a huge fish, but it's not small. That's a good size. Like, it was at least five or six pounds, I would it say. It was that. about oh, this big. It might be yeah. pushing eight or nine pounds. I would there, say huh? probably eight or nine pounds. Yeah, wow. Yeah. On a five weight. Man. So, what was your heart rate <laughs> when it when you felt it on the on the Oh, line? yeah, the second you hook into so it. Yeah. Oh, my, my gosh. The second I hooked into it, it was just like went through the roof, and I was like, freaking out and just trying to like maintain my focus because I really, really, really wanted to land this fish because I had already broken off two trout. So my confidence, I hadn't broken them off. I had already unpinned two trout. So my confidence was already like kind of shot a little bit. Um, and, I, but I was like, my heart rate was through the roof and I was like, man, I've never caught a koi before. Kind of all the stars aligned where I saw the feeding fish. I cut flies off, made a quick change couple casts, fish ate, and um, my deal was just like, keep the fish on. I'm going to – I have recently witnessed some carp break-offs, and I wanted to make sure that I did everything in my power to not break this fish off. I wasn't – I mean, Forex is not super light but kind of light, so I didn't want to, like, crank the drag down and break a fish off. Oh, see, so. Gabe thinks you probably would have overpowered that fish with Forex. I yeah. would have overpowered it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're, you, you shouldn't have used 4X. 6X or die, bro. Yeah. No, I would have lost that fish on 6X. <laughs> well, only if only if Gabe was there. 
Yeah. So sorry, Gabe. Anyway, <laughs> last one. I swear. Maybe one more next week. <laughs> <laughs> one more. I'm I'm fighting this fish. I'm fighting this fish, and then pretty much before I know it, it is basically pitch black outside. I don't have any lights. And then I'm getting to the point to where I can't see anything really except the stars. It's pretty like a, dark. There was a light on a house up the hill that I could see, uh-huh. and I was like, "Gosh, I wish I had like a net person here because yeah. I can't see anything." And so um, time keeps going on. Time keeps going on. I keep fighting this fish. Every time it gets close, and I kind of grab my net, it takes off on another run. Yeah. Takes off on another run. Dude, and there's a lot of vegetation in the water too. Yes. Oh and my gosh. There and I was aware of where it was, so if I felt like the fish was heading in that direction, I would turn its head. It looks but like you landed him in in the the crap. Like there's well, a bunch no, of stuff right I landed there. him further out, but then pulled him over uh, to get my okay. light yeah. and all of that because I couldn't see. And so, um, it basically eventually came down to I was being very careful not to put my leader into my guides. But it was getting to the point to where I couldn't stretch far enough to get it, and also net the fish. Yeah, because um, and every time I put a net near the fish, he'd go on another run, mm-hmm. and it would freak me out. And then I'd have to kind of like wear it down again, wear it down again. So, and I'm kind of feeling nervous at this point about being out there past the time I should be because I was definitely out there later than I was supposed to be. Yeah. Um. And so. Um, I finally at some point decided that I'm not going to be able to land this fish by having the leader outside of the guides. And if you guys are listening, a big deal with fighting, like, big fish on lighter tackle, I would say, like this, and, like, a 4X leader is if your leader goes into the guides where the loop-to-loop connection is, um, that catches on every single guide. It can break your rod. It can, number one, break your rod, and it can pop your leader. Right. Because that resistance that it catches can Just be enough instantly, yeah. to pop your leader. So my concern was on a fish. Now, if I'm fishing for trout and it's like a small trout, I'm not worried about it. But on big fish, keep your leader out of your guides 100%. And so I was doing that, but it finally got to the point where I couldn't land the fish Wow. I had a long leader on with uh, – so I finally reeled my leader. I'd worn out the fish enough, I feel like, to where it wasn't making these long runs anymore. And it might catch a might catch some energy, but it wasn't going very <laughs> far. So I reeled the leader into my guides and pretty much at that point was like – it was pretty much a commitment at that point. Because that I was like, it either has to, to happen or I have to leave. Um. Yeah, I wasn't gonna leave. Right. I would have gotten in trouble. Mm-hmm. But it was either I'm gonna land this fish or I'm gonna break it off. Right. Because my leader's in my guts. Right, right. Right. So um, I was basically like arm fully stretched net, and I was scooping around because I couldn't see where the fish was. It was just so where that, I thought my leader was. That's dangerous. And like playing with fire. There. I know. Yeah. I know. So I finally scooped, and I felt the weight in the basket, and I knew that I, I knew that I had oh. it. So then I like. Took the net over to the bank, walked over, pulled the phone out, turned the light on so I could see what was going on. And it was just like, it was kind of like relief that I caught it. Yeah. Because number one, I could leave. And then number two, I was so nervous because I really wanted to catch that fish the whole time that it happened. Broke some rules along the way. But it was. I think that's how it goes fishing for koi. Yeah. If anybody's interested, (laughs) if anybody's interested, 
in the video I've been watching on replay for the past since Landon was telling his story. It's on on the social media pages, all of them, right? Or just only Instagram, only right Instagram, now, but it'll be everywhere else. Only Instagram. Well, I want to say again, if anybody wants to see the fish in the video I've been looking at, go check it out. But this has to be one of the most epic releases that I've ever seen for one reason. It, why? Because it swims off into the darkness. And it's like, <laughs> it just oh, disappears. Yeah. It just disappears, That's yeah. kind of spooky, kind of eerie, but it's badass. It was cool. Yeah. It was cool. And I couldn't, with it being dark and, like, a lot of things going on, I couldn't get a good photo or anything, so I just basically, like, <laughs> I, hit, I hit record with the fish in the net, and then I hit record when I went to release it, and that was that was pretty much See, all I could do. You can get some cool screenshots from that, though. Like, yeah, you can you can find something in that video. Oh yeah, and get a screenshot. Yeah, yeah. looks like Jaws swimming around. Once it gets far enough, and that orange starts to go away. That's sick, man. I'm happy for I you. I will say that uh, right. That's I've, like that's like a monumental yeah. catch. Yeah, I've been <coughs> I've been thinking about it too ever since I caught it, and I've been extremely you think blessed been to have. About Think it's been thinking about you too? No. Oh. Well, the hook's still in its mouth, so maybe. Oh. I couldn't get the hook out. It was like all twisted up. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't like hold the light with the camera and like handle the fish to actually get a good good a good <coughs> grip to pull the no. hook out. And so I pretty much it's uh, after like maybe two minutes of trying, I was like, man, I've it's better. Everyone always says it's better to. Uh, cut the line and instead leave the hook in instead mangle. of mangling a fish. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna cut it. So he's probably pissed, honestly, at me. But he's a it's edgy. a little, it's a little trout hook. So he's it'll it, it'll be done. It'll it should rust out pretty it's quick. Yeah, edgy koi now. Yeah, he's gonna go listen to. Papa he's got Rope. a piercing. <laughs> <laughs> cut my line. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I've been thinking that is one of the most accomplishing feeling fish I've caught, and I've worked hard for a couple different fish and a couple fish stand out, but that fish was 100 percent on my own. With when I caught the permit, I had a guide. So, like, it was their spot. They were helping. It was a team effort, which is cool. Um, and I've had some other, like, really cool fish experience, but it's always been with someone else, someone else to net the fish. This was a koi, which is super uncommon. This was 100% on my own. I picked the fly. I made the cast. I set the hook. In the dark. In the dark. I netted it by myself, broke a couple rules along the way. And uh, so, in that sense, it feels really cool. Yeah. It's badass. Like it sh- it's like catching a shiny magic carp. Yeah. 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 Oh, that was that was lame. I'm a nerd. That's cool, man. I'm happy for you. I appreciate right? it. Yeah. Dude, honestly, when you sent that photo or that video, I was like, dude, that's sick. Yeah. That's crazy. That's pretty awesome. Pretty pumped. What okay, so question, your net is at the mid length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that opening is eighteen inches long, roughly, right? I don't know. I think it's like eighteen by thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, which means that fish was definitely longer than 18 inches because in the net it looked like it was curved. Yes. Yeah. Sick. I'll look at it one more time. Right. You're right, though. The way it swims off into the darkness. Dude, it's cr- it's like it's like the way it has like these like bright orange, like almost like like um, like an outline in the bright orange, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the spine, and, like the fins, but like the whole thing isn't that way. Well, at one point – when it was like when I realized it was pitch black, 
I looked up and I saw like stars lit up and I was like, "This is badass." Was that, yeah. cool was that the night? Was that like the night sky or is it because your blood pressure was high? Right, <laughs> <And> <laughs> you see, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was definitely the night sky. It was awesome. That's cool. Yeah, it was awesome. I, the, I also liked that the fish swam away so like calm. I mean, I get he was probably tired, but at the same time, oh, dude, like, I wore him out. Like, yeah. I, I kid you not. This is I was trying to land that fish as quick as I could because I was worried about it being dark and yeah. I was putting as much pressure on that fish as I felt comfortable on with 4X and a 5 weight and I felt like I was working in pretty hard and I kid you not it was at least I would say between 30 and 40 minutes realistically so At this area are you were you waiting or is it bank waiting I was waiting Okay that's cool cool Well when I <coughs> when I was trout fishing I was waiting and it was about waist deep but when I casted at that fish, I was ankle deep. Mm-hmm. So I would say I was kind of like half bank, half waiting. Yeah, but you could get in the water to follow it if you had to. Oh, I did yeah, yeah. what I could see. And then when yeah. it started getting dark and I couldn't see where I was walking, I kind of moved back to the bank. Yeah. See, what I noticed, though, so you're saying you're not supposed to be at this place after dark, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but you brought a headlamp with you. I did not bring a headlamp. That was my phone light. Oh, okay, okay. I wish I had a headlamp. I had actually helped Josh teach a fly fishing 101 class this morning, that morning, Saturday morning, and he was going through the gear that he carries in his day pack, and one of those items was a headlamp. Yeah. And he was like, because I always end up fishing later than I think I am. And yeah. I was like, huh, that's a pretty, I, that's actually pretty smart. I should probably Especially just if you like, go by yourself. Like, I feel like there's, like, if you go with one other person I should, versus by yourself. I should carry a headlamp in my pack, and then little did I know that literal evening I would need one. Yeah. So, do you ever find yourself needing a headlamp? Like, let's say, for example, and this could be a segue into our next conversation, you go fishing for trout in the quad. Do you ever find yourself needing a headlamp? There's probably been a couple of times I could have used one, but also, like, I'm not that far from the car either. You know what I mean? There was one time. I'm usually pretty, like, aware of how much daylight we have. Yeah. And honestly, like... I was, like, literally two minutes away from walking back yeah. to the car. So I feel like most of the listeners will agree with me when I say we all, we're all aware of how much daylight we have left. But on the walk back, there's always a spot. It's like, oh, I'm going to give it a shot. One more shot right there. Next thing you know, another hour has gone by, and you always end up in the dark. I mean, it's only happened a few times, like, on the river. But at the lake, oh, man. There's definitely times I've needed one. Yeah. For sure. Like, if I'm kayaking, headlamp always. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause then I'll you're end up in the dark. Well, yeah, because every float trip lasts three hours longer than you plan. Yeah. Yep. All right, Harris. Uh-oh. You, uh, let's talk about bass fishing oh, now. Oh, shit. <laughs> They're okay. green, and they swim in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to do that. We're back. All the time. But Every once in a while, just throw it in there. Yeah, to catch you, everybody off guard. Be like, yeah. oh, and they came in there, they're not doing it anymore. We, should, we should crank the volume on that soundbite alone. That way it's, it makes us jump every time. It'd be fun. Just like, yeah, I'll put it all in. No, that would actually bust your eardrums. So. So. You created quite a controversy today, or last week, but the podcast came out today, (coughs) and you've been getting messages, and Honey Hole's been getting messages. Hate mail. You know, I... Multiple. I was kind of Actually, shocked. I kind of like the controversy. I it think is, this is fantastic. Yeah. Well, you've, you've been wanting controversy. I've been wanting controversy on the show for Literally a while. Literally, we know Zach's throwaway line about how bass fishing Okay, so work. Zach. Who would have known that I was the one that was going to be? I honestly don't even remember the comment, so remind me what we were talking well, about. The funny thing is, it's such a common thing for me to say that I didn't remember it either, so I had to go back and listen <laughs> to the podcast <laughs> to hear what I said. And all I said was, bass fishing is boring, and I didn't elaborate on it. And I feel like I need to elaborate uh, so tell us why. Okay. 
So okay. def- defend your position. All right. So. And then we, me and Zach will weigh in. Yeah. Weigh in. So I was thinking about it, and I had a few conversations with a couple people. Some of them were on my side, by the way. I'm not the only one out there. But, okay. So, and this isn't, this isn't something, this isn't stemmed from cockiness or anything, but I've been bass fishing for a long time. Naturally, not all big ones, but naturally you catch a lot of fish when you've been fishing for a certain species for a long time, right? So bass fishing, I feel like I've done it so much, whether I'm catching six pounders or six inchers, that the, 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 oh, I can't think of the word. The methods, the techniques and stuff used for bass fishing, it's just boring. It doesn't feel very skillful. Like, most of the time when you're bass fishing, you're not sight fishing. You're blind casting. So you're throwing a fly out there, and you're animating it and hoping that there's a bass in that spot. Sometimes you're sight fishing. Sight fishing was fun. So yeah. you mentioned whether it's a 12-incher or 6-pounder. Actually, I said 6-incher. Six 6-incher. Six six yeah, or 6-pounder. Yeah. You're telling me you wouldn't get excited for a 6-pound bass. No, you did, I'm, just not, I'm not finished. So okay. there's bass fishing. Like, if, if one of you guys said, hey, you want to go catch some bass, I would say, hell yeah, let's go. But if I had to choose, if I got to choose, okay, am I going to go today, am I going to go try to catch a 12-inch cichlid or a 2-pound bass? I'm going for the cichlid all day long. But you can go in places and catch both of them. Right, but I'm going to be looking for the cichlids. And if I see a bass, eh, if it's big enough, I might cast to it, but I'm just going to walk by them. Re- you would walk pot by a Good fish bass water. Just depends on the size of the fish, man. Like No way. Yeah. Dude, yeah. when I go out, every fish I see, I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna look at you a little bit closer. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't feel that with a bass. Now, granted, and I was telling somebody earlier, if again, I'll go, I'll take a day and go bass fishing. Uh-huh. So wh- when I said bass fishing was boring, I never said I didn't do it. I just said it wasn't my, it was, it was boring. It wasn't my choice. But so again, if a friend says, "Hey, let's go bass fishing," yeah, I'm down. Let's go. Or if I get an opportunity. To go so you think pan fish. fishing is more exciting than bass fishing? Yeah, actually, <laughs> I do. I do. I think it's a lot more fun. I don't know why. I don't know why you would think the bass would be better. Better now. I- again, if I if I'm if I've got an opportunity to go to like Sugar Lake in Mexico, like big bass water, hell yeah, let's go. I'll drop everything to go do that. Like if I have the the opportunity to catch like an eight plus, I'll go do it. But most of the fishing we have like at our grasp around here. That opportunity is very far and few between. It's like between. half pound. Yeah, and that's just not fun anymore. Mm. Catching one and two pound bass is meh. Yes. So, so you're an elitist is what you're saying. Precisely. Yeah. Okay. I only throw size 18 parachute atoms for everything for I fish for. <laughs> for everything. Trout, carp, redfish, size 18 parachute atoms. That's it, every single yeah. time. Now, is there not even like, because you're a big fly tire. Like, not even, like, testing a fly wouldn't get you excited for bass. Like, if you came up with, like, a bass fly, you wanted to try it out. Yeah. That wouldn't get you excited to go out and go bass fishing. That wouldn't get me excited. I would rather. Well, I don't know. No, it, it doesn't, like, specifically, because there's other species that will chase that. So, I don't have to go largemouth fishing. I can take them and go try to chase striper or the uh, non-native trout or whatever. Like, I, hell, I can take them to the coast and fish for speckled trout with them. Like, there's just so many other options that, and, and the fish are more fun to me. I'd rather go catch a 12-inch striper than a 12-inch largemouth. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's other species of fish that I feel like spending, like, my time and effort and money on. Now, do you think... I okay. feel like <coughs> this is a thing, uh, this is, might be a thing of, like, almost mastery. 
No, no, no. I no, no, no. Because myself. you you grew up, you've convinced you you've conventional fish for mm-hmm. bass, and you've basically spent your whole life bass fishing. It maybe it's a thing of like you've been there, done that, and the variety is the spice of life right now. Yeah. Now it could be okay. So I'm gonna to, maybe mastery to go was the wrong word because yeah, to go I know for me variety is the spice of life. I like bass fishing. I like trout fishing. I like red fishing. But I don't like doing bass fishing 10 days in a row. And yeah. I don't like trout fishing 10 days in a go- no. row. And I don't like fishing the coast 10 days in a row. I uh, like... Uh, a little bit of everything. I don't I, know. I think I'd fish the coast <laughs> 10 days in a row. <laughs> I think the coast might be the one exception there. Yeah. But, uh, but that's also because we don't do it that often. Yeah, it's the least available to us. But right. see, you also have a much wider variety at the coast. Like, I don't feel we like do I the would ever get bored one day. of it. We can yeah. do the jetties one day. Fish right, right. But, like, it, it's, it's novel to us because we don't do it that often. Right. Yes. We could go fish for for guads in twenty five minutes. How many like. how many different species okay. realistically do we have in the rivers or and and within an hour, we have what carp? Yeah. Two sometimes three different ty- types of bass depending on where you go. Right. Panfish trout. and trout. Okay. Right. The coast you've got redfish, speckled trout, sheep's head, sometimes tarpon, sometimes snook. Let uh, me. Let yeah, but okay, but, but tarpon, well, snook would be like me saying like, and we have paddlefish in well the river. Well, if you, if know, you know, know where I mean? to like go though, you can get snook pretty regularly. Let, yeah. let me ask you this: Tennessee brook trout or Tennessee smallmouth? Smallmouth. Not a large mouth though. Not a large mouth. But you said see? bass fishing. Okay. Well, when I say bass fishing, let's you mean, you mean large we can mouth? clip this. I, and put I it think at the you're being a hypocrite. Yeah. No, I'm talking specifically about largemouth. Specifically about wait, large but what my about, question what about is Guadalupe wait, bass? wait, wait, but why, why smallmouth over brook trout? Because I don't know. Because I would do the smallmouth over brook trout. Yeah, right? I would do the brook trout. I was just trying to think of something that maybe you haven't done that would be like one bass and like yeah, well, that's, another. That was kind of what I was saying in the beginning. Is I've bass fished for largemouth bass. Sorry, I should have said that at the beginning. Should have said that last week. No, but your but your opinions but, work for Guadalupe bass too. Well, Guadalupe bass, I'm going to, like, when I think of Guadalupe bass, because, again, you don't find many big ones. Like, a pretty big fish on a regular basis is, like, 12, 13 inches, depending on where you're at. Right. Like, I kind of classify them in with panfish, just because they're typically that size. I like going fishing with a three-weight for small fish more than I like chasing largemouth. And Guadalupe bass, I'll consider them. They're not a panfish, but they're in that size range. So yeah, okay, it feels the same. I'll give you this. I prefer fishing for guads and panfish over fishing for largemouth. Yeah. Now, when I go, so let's say I go, I'm not going to take, unless there's a specific river that I'm going to that produce consistently produces larger Guadalupe bass, I'm not going to be like, go to some of my spots on the upper guad and say, yes, I'm spending today specifically hunting Guadalupe bass. No, you're just, you're just fishing for fun. I'm fishing with a three-weight for panfish. For and anything. If I catch Guadalupe catch. bass, cool. Yeah. But that's not what I'm chasing. I'm chasing big panfish. Really? Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I guess when I go out, I know I'm chasing guads and panfish. I'm like... So and bass and, and panfish. I yeah, do the same yeah. thing. And then <coughs> if I see a carp, I'll cut my line and tie a carp fly on. Yeah. And then if I see a gar... <laughs> I'll cast at it, and then and if, if I see a catfish, I'm going to cast at it. And if you see yeah. a cool, you just disregard I, the law. I avoid, <laughs> yeah, right. I avoid catfish. I don't, I don't like catching catfish. They're my Dude, they cats. slime up your line. All right. I oh, hate, and gross. they ruin every fly. Yeah. I'm just like, if I catch one, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. for It's cool fighting it for a second. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, I don't know. Sometimes <coughs> I see those big catfish in the river, though, and I'll be like, 
If if yeah. I see one of the bigger ones, Ooh, I cast her uh, every time. Really? Yeah. I hate it once I land it. Yeah. I'll just be pissed. I'll probably go home. <laughs> I'll probably go home. But it was a lot of fun catching it, and the picture's pretty cool. So. <laughs> so, Harris, yeah. what are your bucket list fish? Bucket list fish. Man. Since you're bored of bass now. You guys right. go first. Dorado. Yeah, okay. Like, like Golden Dorado. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely one of them. I think uh, you may have been influenced in that one, but okay. Uh, maybe. Is that a more uh, recent? You have more access now? <laughs> more recent now? bucket, bucket well, list. Yeah, you have more access the now. The access so is there. I got a place to stay, you know, and I got, well, anyway. Uh, let's see. GT. That's pretty normal, right? Yeah, GT's like. on my yeah. bucket list. GT. Um, shit, I don't know, man. Large mouth with three eyes. Uh, uh, Barmundi. That would be badass, right? Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, mm, Paku. That would be cool. The little berry flies. Mm-hmm. I think people do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe that's hard. Like bucket list fish. When I think of bucket list fish, like if I'm going to put them on my bucket list, it's something that's going to like take some work to get to. Like bonefish, yeah, I really want to catch one, but yeah, that's I can just go to Florida for that. I can get one fairly easily compared to the others, but compared to like a giant trevally. I so see you see, so that's kind of what I'm trying to think of. There's not many out there. I mean, of course, you I could do could a fill DIY. You could up. do a DIY bonefish trip. You could not do a GT DIY trip. No, exactly. There you go. Like yeah. I could go to Florida. I could pick a flat or a Bahamas. You could go whatever. to the Bahamas and rent a place and yeah. walk out on the beach and catch bonefish. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean. So yeah. that's what if I'm gonna put a fish on the bucket list, it's gonna be something that's be that tough. One. Like, we should do that. We should rent a place in the Bahamas. Ooh, hey. go fish. Hey. And just wade bonefish the whole trip, dude. I would one hundred percent be down for that. Dude, we could probably so get away fun. with. It'd be relatively inexpensive too. Oh yes. yeah, three, three or four. Well, especially well, if we, we could split the. Place. We could rent a yeah. house and, then and split like everybody, mm-hmm. and yeah, bring everybody. Could. Yeah, everybody. They go out and bonefish. Let's do it, dude. That's honestly, I we actually should shoot for that like next summer. Personally, know if you guys not in the Bahamas, but personally, know if you guys in Florida with boats. Mm. So would they come to the Bahamas? I don't know where you're. No, I'm saying we go to Florida. Oh, don't okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're talking Bahamas, Zach. So it wouldn't be quite as cool as the Bahamas, but we'd have a boat. Oh, we could. Like in, like, are they in the Keys? Or are they in like more like Florida, Florida, like Florida proper? I think if we we asked them to go to the Keys, they would go to the Keys. Ooh. Yeah. Well, if we're gonna go to the Keys, then we're tarpon fishing and bonefish. Yeah, and bonefish and snook mm. and permit and redfish. Speckle trout. There's only so many days you can tarpon fish. Piggy perch. Oh, you tarpon fish. If we go to the Keys, we're tarpon fishing all day, Owl every core. day. Just gonna keep naming species. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what we're gonna. That's <laughs> I was just like, it was just like in the background, this whispering, sweet nothings into my ear. I was like, yeah, keep it going. Permit. Yeah. So maybe we should do that. Maybe we should. We should plan a uh, like a friends trip yeah. to the Bahamas. Rent a place on the beach that will be big enough. To house everybody that's going. Yep. And we're finding it in like a, a good flat where we could just go out and start waiting. Yep. So we're going to start taking donations today when this episode airs. If you want to donate to our. I'm just kidding. Yep. Landon looks angry. I shouldn't have said no, that. No, no. I'll take donations. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take donations. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there was something else we were going to. Oh, are we done talking about your bass fishing? Do you feel like you explained yourself? Is my answer fulfilling? Like, are you happy with my answer? 
Do do you feel like I explained myself well enough? I can keep going, but it's going to get repetitive pretty quick. I don't know. Here's my take on it. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that bass fishing is boring personally, but for me, I like variety. I like fishing variety. Like mad respect to, I'll just say William Townsend, who's a guide on the Texas coast. He lives, eats, breathes fishing for redfish. He has become an expert at that. But I could never do that. Uh, like, I could never focus, on one, focus on one, like, body of water, one area, one species. Variety. I like variety. I like catching different fish. I like checking no matter how big or how small. I like trying new things, catching different fish, fishing different water. I like the variety. Okay. And wha- so. Here, here's a question for you. Do you personally like the fight when you hook up on a bass? I do, yeah. Yeah, so it's you, you feel like it's a good fight, like they put up a good fight. It's f- it's fulfilling to catch a bass. Yeah, where yeah. now I love every fish I catch. Like any fish I hook into and land, I enjoy. Listen, Tom, we don't need <laughs> it. We don't need. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, though, like every time I go fishing, like each fish is exciting. The second you feel it bite, it is a little you know bit what? something. No, granted, granted. Some fish are more exciting than other fish, but every fish is still exciting. You know, normally I would call bullshit, but I've heard you. Again, we spoke about this. <laughs> Real Recovery, this dude screams, and you can hear it echo like, I freaking, like the colors of the wind. It's just fun like catching any fish, you. man. I just enjoy it. Yeah, no, I believe you, actually. I 100% <laughs> believe you. It's just nice catching yeah. a tiny fish. Now, for <laughs> me, the most fulfilling part of catching a fish is the eat, not the fight. So you like to fry him up at the end? <laughs> uh, you just like to yeah. send a killing fish? Yeah. So that Make koi, feel like a big man? That koi, you guys thought that I released it. I never unhooked it. Exactly. I just brought it back into the net, <laughs> and I got it, it in off. the freezer. <laughs> it was actually on a string. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just did that for the gram, but it's, it's in my freezer. No. Uh, for me, it's <coughs> like bass hitting a topwater. Um, all about that. And then reeling it in, that's the less exciting part for me. My, I get jazzed up on the eat. Even, like, I get jazzed up watching fish, even if they don't take it, come up and look at it or almost take it or yeah. miss it. That's the part that jazzes me up. The fighting is just the, for me, is the anxiety part. See, I guess. To because it gives me anxiety, like, okay, I have it on. Now I have to land it. And if I don't land it, then there is, like, a sense of defeat, but for me, the the exciting part is the is the take. I think you just unlocked something in my brain. So, in the moment, if I cast a top water and a bass hits it, yes, it's it's exciting. It's like hell yeah, I got the eat. But if if like like I'm not excited to begin the adventure. Like once the adventure has started, yeah, I'm gonna have fun. I'm not gonna just be bored out of my mind and hate myself for the day. <laughs> But I'm not that like bass. Like, it was so awful. Yeah, I'm like ah, oh, stupid bass. I'm just gonna kick it like a football, <laughs> just punt it. But uh, I don't punt fish, anyways. Can <laughs> <laughs> be a whole new different kind of hate mail next. Yeah, week. Zach. Okay, Jeez. we don't need to have a Zach hate mail talk Dude, through every okay, episode. Listen, <laughs> if anybody <laughs> thinks yeah, that I is boring, <laughs> Zach kicks fish. If, <laughs> <laughs> if anybody thinks that I am a fish abuser, I've got a guy. 
that I used to fish with all the time that who has made fun of me. Who is uh, <laughs> 100%. We won't get into that. Confirmed. He's made fun of me for spending 15 minutes with a bass that I couldn't revive. It was he stuck eventually revived. No, it's because I kicked it too hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fish hippie, man. I, I, like, give him CPR if I have to. I don't hurt fish. I don't keep so fish. So I unlock something in your brain. Yeah, well, and I said, like, Yes, if I if I see a big bass while I'm walking, like if it's a good one, I'll cast to it and I get excited, but I don't like continue thinking about it for days. Like it doesn't excite me that much. Whereas I caught like a uh not even a big carp a few weeks ago and I'm still itching and thinking about it. Like and that carp was like eh, it was like an average sized carp and I still like I'm like dreaming about it. But a bass I like I forgot about forgot about a bass I caught mm. yesterday and I don't even Yes, I. And again, I think maybe it's just because I've like fished for them so much, put so many hours into it, and and caught so many. Granted, a lot of them were like little half pounders, but still, it's like, eh, I'm over it. Let's do something else. But yeah, it, I mean, if I was fishing and you saw me catch a bass, you'd probably see me get hyped up and like, hell yeah, like high five, and but then I release it and forget it ever existed. <laughs> 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 now, are you getting uh you've been introducing someone else to bass fishing? Yeah. Now, uh, see are you getting more excited that because I love even more than me catching fish is being like being with someone that catches their first fish. Yeah. Like so when I uh was with Chris Skinner when he caught his first tarpon, 100% I would have rather him caught that fish than me. One one thousand percent, it was more enjoyable for me to be with him when he caught his first See, than it would have been for me to catch that fish. Yes, and you're absolutely right. Like with her, because she, this, uh, the, the last time we recorded an episode, I talked about her second bass ever. Like, yeah, that's freaking exciting. And of course, like I'm excited to take her bass fishing, just so she can experience. New fish. And this, you guys got to remember, this girl grew up fishing for Dorado and Trout and Patagonia. Like, that was her Guadalupe River, basically. You know, they were a couple hours away. They'd go all the time. So right, so like she bored with Dorado? No. How do you <laughs> get bored with Dorado? <laughs> no, but, yeah, so that's exciting. And I, I can feel myself, like, I'm excited to go because I'm taking her and she's getting to experience it. And it's in teaching somebody is different. It is. Going for myself. Now again, bass, I think bass can be gorgeous fish. And so you might see me post pictures of them on Instagram like, oh look how pretty this fish is, like if I catch one. But I don't hate bass. Good. I just, you know it's not my preference. It's not my preferred species okay. to chase. Okay. So Good enough? Good enough. I'm good. Right. Let's talk about the other. We received a message. Oh that you yeah, to talk to us about. Yeah, yeah. tell us about this. So unrelated co- to the bass fishing, right. more hate mail. Not yeah. hate mail, but it's not hate mail. Hate it's mail. definitely not hate mail. Um, so a couple of episodes ago, we talked about some. What was it? Viewer, listener, <laughs> messages, questions. Right. And one of them wasn't a question; it was a statement. But trout don't belong in the Guadalupe River. Well, another listener. And I believe he's a relatively new listener. I could be wrong. Uh, it's John Morris. Some of you guys might know him on Instagram. Uh, Morris Fly Co. Oh, yeah. 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 He listened to episode, by the way, I got his permission to read all this out on the, on the podcast. Um, 
He listened to episode 139, and he agrees with Blacklisted about Trout not belonging in the quad. So I asked him why, and he said they aren't sustainable. Everyone pushes uh, so much emphasis on a species that doesn't belong here. There was a native group of bass uh, in the quad that got pushed out, nearly extinct in regards to pure strains. And the stripers don't belong there either, but I'm not, or he's not as upset about that as the trout. TU has the largest chapter here in Texas for stocked trout. Uh, TU does stockings also. It's all dollar signs. So it, it's a money thing is what he's saying. Which, you know what? Mm. What do you guys think on that? So when we talked to Bill. Bill, and this was a while ago. This was a while ago. This was over a year ago. The <coughs> the trout program does not make GRTU any money dollar, like straight for it. Like I'm sure there is like it gets people excited and so they make money at like Trout Fest and stuff. But – the actual stocking of the fish is paid the, for by, by the, the lease. Leases. The lease program pays uh-huh. directly for that. They do okay. not pocket any money from that. The money they get from the leases goes directly to the amount of fish they buy, like in the next year <coughs> or whatever it is. Okay. So now there is probably some, you know, profit coming off of that. Trout fishing gets people excited right. about trout tourism. Fest. They make a, yeah. they bank a, make a bunch of money at Trout Fest, but they donate most of the money there's back to nonprofit organizations and other Fest. states as well. There's a, there's some economic benefit in the industry, at least in our area. There is, yeah, right. But I, I wouldn't say necessarily. Oh, it's a dr- huge economic yeah. benefit. Right. But all not, the guides but, on the river, but, to right. the fly shops on the river, but to not to GRTU specifically. Directly, I, like I said, now Other than they mem- do probably fund more money at Trout Fest because of their stocking, right? right. Like but, if we were, it wouldn't even be here. called Trout Fest if there wasn't even right. But, but what does that money go to? It uh, mainly, I think they said the majority of the money goes to help like. New Mexico and Colorado mm-hmm. they expand and take care of their trout. So That's in correct. a way, like it's it's a, it's like revenue, but it's not a profit because it's being donated. Would right. you say that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the lease access pays for the fish. The money they make on membership and other events that they do in Trout Fest, they uh, donate ten thousand dollars a year to the TU Tomorrow Fund. I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. which is like a uh, angler program for kids. Yep, and they also do, like, trout in the classroom programs. They do that one – what's the one thing that Dacus uh, leads? Um, uh, uh, trout camp, team yep. trout camp, yep. which is a trout camp kids can do where they learn conservation, they get to fish, so on and so forth. They donate to real recovery, casting for recovery, project healing waters. Um, and so I would yeah, say – it's a lot. But, I, but the – so it's, it's, it's not a straightforward answer. You know what I mean? But even then, I mean, like, you know – the the studies have been done and the trout don't do I w- I would big, say as much of a damage ob- you know obviously GRTU is you know a beneficiary of this they're the largest chapter all the membership in the state goes to GRTU their main thing is stocking trout in the quad and there is a benefit to GRTU for that I would say that GRTU is doing a lot of good for other organizations including Real Recovery which we like mm-hmm. to volunteer for and they're spending their money in other states and doing other things but even more than GRTU the Trout are benefiting the fly shops on the Guad, the hotels on the Guad, um, the guides on the Guad, the food in the area. Mm-hmm. I would say the economic impact of those things is greater for the local businesses around Sattler than it is to GRT. Well, yeah, it turns it turns something that's a six month tourism place to a year-round tourism place. Yeah, would I can't s- imagine how much Lazy L&L L makes with all the people camping there and buying food and everything right. because Trout Fest is there. Right. Do you think Sattler would be 
I mean, obviously, it would be completely different, but do you think it would be near as successful if no. trout were not there? No. Well, in the winter, uh, no. Yeah, in the summer, yes. Nobody's right. going to go bass fishing Sattler in the winter. See, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in the summer, it's a tube fest, so no one's going to bass fish in Sattler in the summer. They're still getting money. Nobody's going to bass fish in the winter. Is it because bass are boring? Is there other people that agree with me? No, it's because they're warm water fish. No, it's just because... You can catch them in cold water. You can't catch them in Because I would rather go to somewhere else for right. bass fishing than I would go to Sattler. Right. So if trout didn't exist in that area of the quad, I wouldn't be there except maybe the right. occasional striper fishing I wouldn't trip. drive an extra <coughs> 30 minutes to go fish. Right. When I could go bass fish somewhere. Half and it the doesn't distance. Ha- have a house every right. five feet. Right. And, and still catch and just as many fish, if not more. Yeah. So uh, what were, read his comment again. Uh, which one? There's uh, he said he doesn't think the striper should be there e- either, but isn't... Uh, he, he says the striper don't upset him as much as the trout, which I... But, okay, lo- these so, are his words. So, okay, here's my question. If the striper... Why don't the striper upset you as much as the quads? Because, here's my reason. Uh, uh, strike is... As much as, 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 much as the trout. trout. Yeah, yeah. My thing is the striper are going to have a bigger impact on the native bass in the river than the trout are. The stripers are going to eat Guadalupe and largemouth bass in the river. They're also going to eat the trout. The trout and the bass inhabit different types of water, mainly different things. I'm sure there's some trout eating bass fry, but not at the level that a large striper is going to be eating bass fry. See, what I'm getting from his concerns, and John, when you, if and when you listen to this, if I'm wrong, correct me. You can message me, and we'll, we'll get it fixed up. But it seems like he's very concerned about preserving. Actually, it says, well, he's talking about the bass. But he, his concern is preserving the native species and the natural environment, or the natural uh, ecosystem. Okay. I think, which is I, I understandable. Think there is definitely right. concern. I mean, even most rainbow trout, in the United States, you know, that's a concern for, you know. Um, okay, I let me let me ask this question. Uh-huh. Two things. Do you think that all of the houses on the river affect the native species and that that is, like, potential habitat loss for native species? And, or do you think that putting the dam there in the first place and making that water much colder than it naturally is is a bigger issue for the native species. Like, mm. we're arguing about putting the trout in the river. I would say that that is less of a concern than destroying the habitat initially by putting the dam in and then putting all the residential houses stacked on top of each other on the side of the river. Right. There's other things that are, are a bigger issue, but if you're just looking at the trout, Obviously, they have an environmental impact. And if we were talking about any other, quote-unquote, invasive species, right? But the thing that makes the trout different is they cannot survive, which whether the, the ethics and the morality of putting a fish into a place just for the enjoyment of people, for them to die five months later, right? That you could, That's a different argument. So do you... But they do not have as strong of an environmental impact because... They are not growing like if you introduce like a snakehead to the Guadalupe. Well, what if you used the, and again, I'm not, this isn't any hate for TU or anything. Right. But what if you used the money that you're spending on those trout Mm -hmm. and use that money to to bring back native populations? Well, they wouldn't get that money. 
okay, but if they did, if they had that, if, if they, they had, had that way, fund, but like, what native populations are we bringing back? You know what I mean? Well, not necessarily bringing states, back, but the like, state's already funding a lot of those, anyways. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about re like, uh, what's the word? Repopulating. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but like, essentially bringing back the native species in that stretch. Not that they're not there, but right. bringing them back to their their. I mean, I feel like they're probably there, you know. I mean, I know. Well, they're there. I've seen know. people I catch them. Here, here's mean, my right. thing. I think the trout are a small player to the other issues of the habitat loss from residential buildings, from the dam, and I guarantee you that the tubers, thousands and thousands of tubers, throwing trash in the river, yeah. wrecking havoc, you know, destroying habitat on that section of the river are a bigger detriment to the mm-hmm. native species than stalking the trout are in the winter. That, that's a good point. That's, and that's I think a good thing to be said. P- and, you know, we've already talked about the financials of TU. They're not profiting off the trout directly, although we, I would say they're indirectly, indirectly profiting right. off the trout. Um, but, you know, honestly, it gets people excited. Yeah. It grows the sport. It helps the fly shops. It, you know, it's a huge economic benefit, and people aren't going to be bass fishing there in the winter. People can't bass fish there in the summer because of all the tubers. Well, you can. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it fun to catch trout, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like I don't trout know. are fun, and it's fun to say that we can catch them. Again, without thinking of the implication that all those trout are going to die in the next month. <laughs> or most of the trout are going to die oh, in the next month. You like that fish? You know? Well, guess what? <laughs> Is it pretty and all? Guess what? It's going to be... It's gonna be it's gonna be heron raccoon food, heron food, pretty soon. Yeah, I mean that's another thing. The trout, though, that they do kind of benefit like natural, like local wildlife, as far as birds and stuff goes. When oh, they do Osprey, die, spray the striper population yeah. and even the bass population, it probably does benefit from the Sli- trout. Slightly off topic. I just thought of this and I can't let it go now. Uh, there was one time I was rigging up at, at a uh, a public put in there next to a certain fly shop. I won't. I feel bad about saying uh, where I was a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to say where this fly shop is. But we all know what it is. <laughs> I'm rigging up at a fly shop, and I see the biggest bird I've ever seen in my life flying down the river. And I was, like, shocked to see what it was. Can you guys guess what species? A bald what? eagle? A bald eagle, dude. Here? I knew, yeah. yeah. No so way. there's a couple yeah. resident bald eagles at Canyon Lake, but I'd never seen them on the river before. And this thing was like a freaking pterodactyl flying down There's the river. resident bald eagles on I've seen on upper stretches of the quad, bald eagle nests. Really? And bald eagles, and I've, see, also I've never seen, seen that. And I know there's a resi- there's some resident bald eagles on the San Marcos. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't my phone was charging in the truck. I couldn't get to it fast enough. I tried. I knew what it was. Dude. Calm down. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Nature boy. <laughs> Nature boy. <coughs> oh. oh, man. Well, you guys yeah, think cool. we covered that enough? Ha- after our conversation, have y'all's, uh, have your thoughts changed on the trout? I'd be curious if anybody's, like, uh, you know, it seems like every time we have this conversation, every time we talk to more people, like we talk to Bill, mm-hmm. and we get we learn more about how everything works. My opinions on this have changed a lot over the years. Now I'm kind of like kind of like a shoulder shrug, like it's whatever. So you, yeah. for in, in, in my opinion, it's the trout have a limited environmental impact, but the money they bring into GRTU, and we can agree that it would not bring in money if it weren't for the stock trout, actually goes and helps native populations and native fish 
in places that they otherwise would not get the resources. If you guys want to see how GRT spend their money, they have quarterly meetings and they disclose their financials and what they're spending money on. Uh, because so, they're a nonprofit organization, they disclose all that, and you can probably find it online as well. So these fish that <coughs> do aren't really doing any harm outside of the fact that they are going to die, right? Benefit a ton of other places with these native ecosystems, you know, and they aren't doing that big of a harm here, right? Uh, anyways, you know. So here's a thought, and this is just a fun thought. It'll again, it's a trout are fine where they're at. Um, but if they, instead of trout, started pumping in trophy-sized Guadalupe bass, would you guys be disappointed? No. No? Uh-uh. Would you prefer it over the trout? No. No? Nah. Really? Because I, honestly, that feels... It, even that, after the conversation feels, we just had, I think I would prefer it over... I would... Hell yeah. It would, that, it feels, it, that feels fake, if that, if that makes sense. That feels fake? Right, right. Because, like, I, they stock Guadalupe bass all the time they stock like fingerlings right you know? but if they stock like two pounders right it feels forced like i want but trout in central texas doesn't right because i because I'm not like the logic there yeah right, right. okay <laughs> so <laughs> let's go sturgeon now, fishing to, for, to answer Lake. your question no it wouldn't get me more excited i would still guadalupe bass fish where i guadalupe bass fish which is not that section of the quad See, so nothing if, would change for If me. they came over and said, listen, Trout, you know, it's just we're not going to do it anymore. We're going to start putting big Guadalupe bass in that section of the river. I would be a bass fisherman again. Like, I would be hyped. Really? That would be sick. Because they're, I mean, they they act like trout. You yeah. could fish for them like you're fishing for trout, honestly. I think because for me. But they, they are cool. The big ones are cool. The big ones are really cool. Yeah. And but I'm talking, when I say big, I'm not talking like pounds. I'm talking like the ones above the ones I was talking, above the 13-inch point, right. like the bigger ones. I think I've made like, I've made a mental switch that, like, the trout we catch there are stocked, right? Because they mm-hmm. wouldn't be there naturally. And their fins are shaped like boat oars. Right. But, you know. But with a Guadalupe bass, there is a difference between catching a wild bass versus a farm-raised bass. You know what I mean? I can't say I've ever caught a farm-raised bass. I'm not. I'm not being a smart ass. Okay, let's 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 take the steelheaders mentality. Steelheaders, they want to catch a wild steelhead. They don't want to catch a raised steelhead in that a had stock tank. in a stock tank that <laughs> had its fins clipped. It was released, and they catch yeah. later on in life. Wait, fins clipped. So are the the fins are clipped. Is that what on that steelhead they oh, okay. do? So that way people can report whether they caught I a see. wild okay. or okay. a. Um, or a hatchery raised steelhead. I right. see, because our trout have square fins here. That's because they rub up against I concrete. Know, <laughs> I know. It's so <laughs> ugly. No picture. And I've got picture with pictures with the trout here. Some of them are okay. Like some of them, it's you know, it's questionable. Are they? Are they not wild? Um, None of them wild. Right. But some of them look like it because yeah, their fins no, are yeah, perfect, yeah. like pristine. A couple of yeah. years ago, I caught a wild trout. Yeah. I think there could be a few. Yeah. Close to the dam. I mean, it was yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. was, a, it was the only reason I know is because it was like this big. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know I what I mean? You. Like, it's a. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry to anybody out there, but a lot of our trout pictures, like, they look great until you see the tail. And it's like, ah, what happened to that fish, man? It got, looks horrible. But anyway, yeah, I think that was, thanks, John, for, for responding to us in that way. I, I'm, I like that. That's yeah. good. That was good. The rest of you guys should decide. If you, ha- if anybody has up any follow up commentary, yeah, we can continue this conversation. Just uh, yeah. shoot us a message on Instagram or shoot us an email info at honeyholeangling.com. and we will. Or if you guys honestly 
what we really want? Do you guys want to send in an audio file? Yeah. Do like, it. do like a voice memo on your phone uh-huh. and email me the audio file, and we'll play your audio file on the air. Preferably try not to be driving. Try not to have your dog or baby in the background yelling at you. Or you, We've all listened to the Orvis Fly Fishing Guide. Tom says the same thing. Yes. So yeah. Try to make it sound good make so we can hear nice. what you're saying. But we'll we'll With play the, intro the recording music and everything. But if you if you don't want to do that, you can send us an email. We'll still bring up these topics and conversations. Or anything surrounding in controversy, we'll talk about. Let's so do it. or anything else. Mm. If you guys have any other commentary, I might tap out of some of the controversy. Just depends on what it is. No, dude, you are the controversy. You are the controversy. Ah, that's the, that's the problem. It, that's the problem. Finishing this bottle. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> you still had some. <sighs> yeah, I know. I'm taking it easy. Um, I've got, I've got two reds. I'm drinking right now. Exactly. So. Exactly. So a couple announcements before we move over to our interview with Yako. Number one, Ironfly. Mark your calendars, October 21st. More what? details will be coming soon. We'll probably be running an ad on our podcast with all of the more <coughs> specific details when it's time. It's not time yet. We're still working out some things, but October 21st, it's a Saturday. It'll be at Faust Brewing Company in New Braunfels. There'll be live music. There'll be a tattoo artist. Yes, a tattoo artist. Got that scheduled today. Fishing and fly tying themed, right? Or fishing and fly fly themed. themed. Yeah. He's going to come up with some tattoos that he's going to do there. I think we should all get matching tattoos. I I told him I'd send him the Ironfly logo that Zach Mm -hmm. did. Is one of the items. And then I'll also send him the Real Recovery logo, and I might get the Real Recovery logo tattooed. Okay, I don't know about that. Yeah, I want to I'm that big one. about Real Recovery, but that's... Yeah, I'm not going to get You sure you want that as yeah, a tattoo? Yeah, think, think That's a little weird. I'm not even convinced the on the Ironfly logo. Right above the logo. knee? Yeah, on the knee right here. That's weird. What? Yeah, that's super weird. The Ironfly is cool, but even that, I'm like, mm, maybe yeah. in a few years if this thing blows up. A small a small Real Recovery tattoo? I'd do it. Yeah, no. It's a little weird. Yeah. It's a little weird. Okay. You guys do your thing. Says the guy with no tattoos. I'm going to get the cap. Yeah, criticizing. Yeah, I, hey, I'm I, not taking criticism from a guy with no tattoo. I will say also, it's easier to get random shit after your first tattoo. I have a brand. Thank you. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you yeah. do. Try melting your skin, homeboy. Then, then we'll see what's up. <laughs> this one right here is from a uh, curling iron. <laughs> 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 so we're like anyway, <laughs> tattoo artist. That's gonna be cool. That's hey, gonna be cool. Some, some other stuff in the works. So there'll yeah. be beer. There'll be food. It'll be a good time. The second thing, Honey Hole Hates Trash. We've gotten some more submissions. Woo! Yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I contributed to the adding or the advertising the other oh, day. Oh, let's see. I put a picture up. I'm not going to win, but I did it. So If I do it, you can do it. Come we, on. We had previously talked about changing some things, and we are going to change some things. It was going to run through the end of April. Kevin with Tough Fly has donated like a couple fly tying kits, but I don't feel like we've had enough submissions to justify giving those away yet. Um, that's a big donation that he made, and I'd like a little bit more participation So uh, before we raffle three of those off. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, Just Flies Company mailed us some flies. At the end of April, we're going to, uh, on the podcast, first podcast ever, April, we're going to randomly draw one of the winners that has signed up before April. And we're going to give that away at the end of the month. 
We're going to run the rest of the Honey Hole Hates Trash through the end of the year. The end of the year? Through the end of the year. Because okay. we have the iron flying. We're planning a lot, and keeping it up and running is going to be a lot of work. This will give people more opportunity to submit trash. Um, we're going to run it through the end of the year for the Tough Fly giveaway. And uh, probably is it you, Zach Harris, I'm uh, going to volunteer. You'll tie a fly box that we could also give away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll put some it. flies in there. Yeah, I'll put some flies in there too. We can get Gabe. Why, why does that have to be just? <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Ouch. Dang. You guys dude. want people to actually like do this? Right? I want people <laughs> to actually catch fish. <laughs> Shit. Okay. My f- <laughs> like mine are for dioramas. No, they're not. They're not that pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being exactly. Okay. So mine are for bass. See. Yeah. See, mine are for sunfish. So, <laughs> so <laughs> to snag sunfish. What? Okay. What we're gonna give away the flies that were donated to us by Just Flies Company, and we ap- really appreciate your donation to the people that thanks have Just Flies guy. And we're gonna link them in the description. The flies look fantastic. We're gonna link them in the description. We're gonna give them away at the end of April. The next, the contest with Tough Fly is gonna run through the end of December. But if you have signed up before the month ends, you we're not gonna restart. You, the sign So, ups. like, they are available to win the Just, Just Flies, flies co- and, and they do not have to re-enter. They are in the year-long the one year long already. One so, well. there's going to be essentially, Perfect. like, a, a side pot for kind April. Of? Yeah, to encourage people to be like, hey, good job yeah. for signing up before a- the end before, of April. Before the end of April, if you signed up, you can get entered into the Just Flies company giveaway. We'll mail those flies to you. If you signed up before April, you were also already entered to win the Tough Fly giveaway that's at the end of the year. And so there's and and a little bit of incentive because I'm noticing a lot of the same people are resubmitting. They're going up and picking up trash more than once. The more submissions you do, the more trash you the more days you pick up trash, the higher your odds are to win. And so if you pick up trash 10 times between now and the end of the year, that's 10 chances for you to win. So if you submit the trash and do all the things that you're supposed to do, that's more entries to win. So the more you guys pick up trash, the greater your odds are to win. We hope that you do it at least once and pick up trash. And we're still – it. Uh, it's not just at the river or the water, right? Anywhere you, p- you find pick trash? Pick up trash. If you're taking a walk down the street – I guarantee there is no reason nobody could participate in this. Not I know all. we've all – 99.9% of us have internet access. If you're listening to this, you got internet access. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, you can walk down maybe a block from your house, if anything, and you'll find trash. Guarantee Sometimes you. I just walk in my front yard, and somebody else's yeah. trash is blown in there. Landon still has that beer can in no, front of his driveway. Did you post a picture? I picked it up. Did you post a picture? No, because it was in my driveway. Oh, in front win. of my driveway. Okay, well. I can't win. It already looked bad when somebody... Uh, well, you're not going to win, but you know you got to show... Like you can't. No, you I'll go to the, the Next time I go to the river, next time yeah. I go to the river, I'll uh, I'll pick up some trash. Yeah, uh, I caught a bass a couple weeks ago. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, count. Pick up trash, guys. Send us some pictures. So, if you've already, one more time, just to make sure you understand, if you've already submitted, you are automatically entered to win in December. So, we're just gonna because we promised at the end of the April. There would be a giveaway. We're going to give away the donated flies from Just Flies Company. Again, if you guys want to order flies from him directly, we'll put his link in the description below. Um, the more times you pick up the trash, the more chances you have to win. And we're going to do that drawing at the end of the year because we got to focus on Ironfly. And so that's what we're going to do. Yep. 
one more announcement. This is our last weekly episode. It is. <laughs> we decided <laughs> that. <laughs> we decided before the show. Don't yeah, we talked okay. about it before the show. Oh yeah. Were you not listening? No, I thought I I thought that was uh, like a test. I didn't know it was official. Cool. Nope. This cool. is our last weekly. We are now moving to once every two weeks. So after this episode, you won't hear us for two weeks? That's correct. Well, but that also means that video's in the works. That's correct. Next Tuesday. You get to see my pretty face. We are going to be testing live streaming on the YouTube channel. <coughs> so if you guys want to tune in, uh, it will be the, basically the day this podcast release. We might be live on YouTube. But we're going to be testing the yeah. system out and doing all of that. And this would be a cool time just to chat because we're not. Are we always going to accept like like chats and stuff? Or yeah, yeah, this? we'll have yeah. a chat. So if people want this to submit questions like so live, why we're podcasting, we'll have to be because it's also going to come out in audio format. Mm-hmm. We'll have to be like real careful about that. But we might do like a. What I could see us doing is like a, we record the podcast. And that's over, and that's what we're going to release on, like, Apple and Spotify and everything. But maybe yeah. we hang out for 30, 45 minutes later and answer questions. Hey, or maybe we can just hang out and tie some flies. Yeah. Yeah, we can just do a live yeah. stream. We can do uh, Ironfly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. So, so where next week we're going to be product te- – not product testing, but testing the technology, getting everything set up, making sure we're good to go. And then uh, we'll be mirrors. every two weeks. Yeah. So. Sweet. We but got – Mostly positive feedback, I think, on the two-week deal. Yep. I don't think I heard really any negative except some one neutral, person. Some neutral feedback was like, was like I'm going to miss missing to, you yeah. guys once a week, but it sounds like if you guys get the live streaming going, it'll be, it'll be cool. That. Wasn't that Steve that said that? Or what did Steve said something about it, too, last week? Or I don't or today Or whenever. I thought maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway, yeah, cool. I'm going to have to start. Wearing my, my dress, our best dress. I'm going to have to start wearing Howler Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> 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 like fancy every week now. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to take our work clothes off. I'm going yep. to show up in a tuxedo the first time. Oh. Here to, here to fuck shit up. Everybody in a suit would be nice. Yeah. I got a suede jacket. I'll wear that. I got a, a twill jacket. Ooh. Ooh. You are a science person. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's how it works. I got the job and they're like, here you go, sir. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, here we're going to move on to our interview with Yako, and we hope you guys enjoy. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. We are here at Trout Fest, Texas. We have Yako with Captain Jack Productions. We're happy to have you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I've been following you for a really long time with all the films, and, man, it seems like you're all over the place all the time. How do you – do you sleep? (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) Uh, not much. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do like to sleep, contrary to our popular belief. Yeah. But uh, I think just the adventure and doing as many different stuff as I can is the stuff that keeps me awake at night. So yeah. that's kind of just how I try and do as many things as possible at once. And, okay. and having a very, very loving and forgiving wife for the most part. I, uh, I do a lot of things on very short notice. So I usually have to ask forgiveness than permission. So yeah kind of works out that yeah. way <laughs> so let's go way back how did you start how did you get into fishing and get into fly fishing so uh to make a long story short i mean i i born and raised my dad was a fisherman uh, in salt he was a saltwater fisherman basically uh i kind of grew up fishing for big sharks and stingrays on the on, on our south african coastline 
it's a very popular sport where we huck these giant baits in the surf and uh, we just wait for these big sharks or stingrays to come and eat it. And then, uh, I mean, it's all sport fishing. So we're just seeing how big a fish we can catch. We fight them for very long and then uh, we just get them in and we release them back, um, back home. Um, and then uh, I kind of got introduced to fly fishing uh, through a TV show in South Africa. Man, I can't exactly remember what show it was, but uh, it kind of just opened my eyes to what was there. I was just final year of primary school, so I was about 12 years old. And uh, then I just bought, like everybody, I kind of went to go buy the cheapest thing. I could probably, I probably asked my mom for some money and it was like a hundred rand kit that's what's the equivalent of like five bucks. Um, and bought that and kind of started teaching myself, just looking. I, I always kind of soaked up as much knowledge as I could. And then from there onwards, just... Um, uh, I met a friend of mine called Keith Rose Innes, which is now kind of the, 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 the guy that kind of manages most of the atolls in the Seychelles. But I met him on a beach, and I said, like, I, when I saw him the first time, he looked worn out, and he kind of just looked just in a bad, bad situation. But, uh, and I walked up to him and asked him, and we started talking, and he'd actually finished the season in Russia. So you can imagine guiding 24 hours a day because uh, the sun doesn't go down and you spending time with a bunch of Russian guides drinking vodka and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, uh, it, th the guys are awesome and, and all that stuff. And Keith got to tell me what it was. I thought it was an impossible job. And then he made it reality. Finished university. Um, I kind of followed in his footsteps. I worked at a fly shop called Farlow's for a year, which he worked at in London. Okay. And then from there onwards, uh, I found Did you end up, up in London because of university? So what a lot of South African students did is they finished university and then they would go on what we call a working holiday where you kind of work and pay your way to travel a little bit, which, um, yeah, mo most, most guys did it. I mean, some people just worked and partied and whatever okay. they did. So yep. um, I, uh, I kind of just went to a fly shop, worked at the fly shop and just kind of soaked up as much knowledge as I can, just trying to understand what Keith or just listen to what Keith had told me to do. And then I phoned him up literally or sent him an email uh, right after a year. I said to him, look, do you have a job for me? I can do another year working here, but I'd prefer guiding. And uh, three weeks later, I was guiding the Seychelles, and it was like, I mean, it was All because of this one connection that you made with a guy on a beach in South Africa many years before this. Correct, yes, yeah. It was just the, the, where my mind change came on that. There was reality, and he was kind of the, I'd have to say, he was the key on getting me in there and starting the whole career. And this was before the Seychelles really blew up, because you were a big reason for the blow up with your film that came out in, what, like 2012? 2012, that's correct, yeah. Gangster of the Flat. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, this was pre that. that was, this was end of 20, uh, 2006. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of when I got started there. And at that stage, Keith had done a couple of trips there, but very, like a handful, like uh, just kind of getting getting to the different atolls and taking a few close clients that he had from uh, from salmon fishing and from South Africa. <coughs> and, then, um, and then we kind of just, I mean, it was just, at that stage, it wasn't any guide trading or anything. You just got thrown into the deep end. <laughs> like, there's, there's a flat, there's some clients, go get them fish. And in, that, in a place like that, it's kind of easy because the place is covered in fish. Um, it's still fishing, so there are days that are tough, but you, you're fishing a very, very pristine flat. I mean, our first, first week uh, guiding, I remember we got, uh, I think, 373 GTs for the week between 10 clients. This is just fish on the flat. This is not bonefish. This is not permit. This is not grouper, snapper, all the other species that you catch there. So it was a bit, bit of a, my mind was just completely blown, but I kind of always kind of wanted to push the envelope and see new stuff. So um, I managed to meet, like we do in industry, kind of meet people and like a lot of people are very nice and helpful and managed to get a job in Norway to guide for Atlantic salmon, which was very different from the Seychelles. Yeah. 
Um, so that was kind of a nice thing to Was that an off-season deal for the Seychelles? Yes, correct. So usually when we guided the, the atolls, uh, there, are, there is the, the uh, Alphonse, which a lot of guys guide at, which uh, you do nine-month stints. So you like there on the island for nine months. But with Cosmolito, Providence, Farquhar, all those atolls, we would do uh, three months in or three and a half months in. Then you come back off-season and then you go back for like three and a half, three, three and a half months. Um, so I would do that in between season. But what I did then also at one stage in the Seychelles, I met another uh, guy, Dan Vermillion, <coughs> that's uh, one of the owners of Sweetwater Travel that has an outfitting business in Mongolia, yep. works with the Mongolians. And we st I then got a job there to go guide for time. And so at one stage, I would travel to the Seychelles in January, guide for three and a half, three, three, yeah, whatever months, then fly to Norway, guide there for three <coughs> months, and then go to Mongolia. And then from there onwards, go to the Seychelles and literally do 300 <laughs> to 320 days a year oh on, my on the gosh. water. That is crazy. Yeah. So oh, man. It, 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 was, it was pretty wild at one stage. And still managed to, uh, which my wife I met pretty early on. And like I said, she's been very forgiving. She did come to some of the lodges with me eventually, but definitely know that I've pushed it with, because it's always funny when I see a new guide come to a location, he's like, yeah, I'm going to guide the Seychelles for my whole life and my girlfriend's okay with it. And I'm like, oh, we'll have a chat again in a couple of years and see how she feels <laughs> yeah. about you being away for nine months. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about Mongolia because Mongolia is like my bucket list trip. And I've done a couple hosted trips. I used to be with Orvis. Um, but uh, so I kind of understand that side of it a little bit. And obviously me and Steven have worked together a lot on things like that. But um, tell me about Mongolia because that is like, in my mind, my bucket list trip. And so just kind of like walk me through what it's like and, yeah. and all of that. Um, look, Mongolia, I would still say is hands down one of my favorite places on the planet. Um, I have realized, and I say this a lot more often now, um, again, being fortunate enough to have seen quite a few places, having been able to catch a couple of fish or guide people into a lot of fish. Um, I've gotten to the point now where I kind of really like the whole experience, whereas Mongolia just has it all. The people are absolutely amazing. Great culture of people. The, the scenery, I'd probably say, is like going back to Montana many, many years ago. So it's that same kind of river, situ river system with a mountainous, like, all that. And then, but then you throw a trout in there that grows up to 200 pounds in the mix. So it just kind of ups that level. And, uh, you know, but time and fishing in general, because they're such an aggressively predator, like a very big predatory fish, they, very, they dominate big areas in the river. So you don't get a high population of time in, in a specific... So I can't remember the number of fish like per mile. They said there were... There, it wasn't many. It could have been like maybe... I don't even think there was 200 fish. It, it Maybe a lot less than that. But there was a very small amount of fish, fish per, per mile. Per mile. So to catch a big time in which the goal has always been something over... Well, you try and get one over 40, then the big milestone is catching a time in over 50 inches, um, which... Um, I was lucky enough to do with quite a few clients, but it's hard work. You have to cast a lot. Um, sometimes, very seldom, we were sight fishing. So a lot of the times you're casting blindly at a good piece of water that looks good. You're either skating squirrel flies across the surface. You did the drone video, right? Yes. They got yeah. stolen. Many, many times over. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so have Wait, you so seen that Timon uh, drone video? It's no. like a top-down shot, and it's yeah. a white streamer, and uh, I... It, was it, it was, I think it was swinging. Yeah. It was swinging, and a timing comes over, looks at it, turns away, then changes its mind yeah, and comes okay, back yeah, and hammers it. Yes. Yeah. But then I remember we're getting around that, like, I guess you had posted it, and then it got ripped off, 
and then the ripped off version got like 10 million views oh, or yeah. something ridiculous. Because I was in Mongolia at the time, the first time that I posted. So that video was actually taken in Siberia. It was actually myself fishing and my friend Keith was on the drone. Okay. We kind of took turns because we found the specific spot. I mean, we went to Siberia for like two weeks looking for a completely different fish, but the fishing at a lot of the stages were really hard, but we found the specific spot that was just loaded with time. And, um, and we... We, we found the fish and then we put up the drone. It's like, I, and it's funny, just before that shot, we said like, if that fish can come up over the lip in the shallow water, eat the fly and then run off on the drone shot, there's going to be one of the best shots ever taken. And exactly that <laughs> happened. I mean, we had about 10 shots that it didn't happen, <laughs> yep. but it happened, so happened. And, and especially what made it cool and what I've seen more and more time in, and I think that they feel a lot, feed a lot like muskies, what they do is, is they'll, they'll, they'll follow, 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 like have a side look on profile and then come and T-bone that fly. And it was actually one of Blaine. I think it's Chris Willen or Blaine gave me one of those. Uh, it's called a T-bone fly. So, it, I mean, the fly is actually almost, it doesn't look like it on the video, but it's about the size of my forearm. Yep. That fish is close to 50 inches. So um, it just followed it perfectly. And I saw the head just bulge up coming closer and closer to it. But I just kind of slowed the fly down. And like I said in the video, and then it just came across and just smoked the fly and just worked out perfect. But it's... Uh, it's a very memorable moment. I'm happy. It, it was so wild when I went to some of the film tour events and I saw people see it on the big screen just go wild. But when I posted that, I went to Mongolia. I was there. And you're off the grid for like five weeks to close. Yeah, five, six weeks. You're completely off the grid. Yep. No internet, no nothing. And my wife phoned me. She's like, did you give these guys permission to use the video? And I was like, um, I, I just posted it myself. And some other guy stole it, took my logo out of it, posted it, no credits, and he had, yeah, at that stage, he had like nine, nine and a half million views yeah. on it. Yeah. So, and, but it's, it's the nature of the beast at the moment. I mean, I can show you now on my social media where just last week, in one day, I had like seven, seven pages. They would credit me, you know, like literally right in the bottom of all the 50,000 <laughs> hashtags about that I did the video. Um, but like, like seven guys in one day just stealing all those videos. And yeah. there's nothing, like there's no action you can take when it's on online, like on social media like that, can you? Not really. Like I've tried to report some of them, but then it becomes just this endless process and it's they make it so difficult to report people and like, you know, to take legal action, just it's going to be, and you know, there's many great photographers and videographers that this is happening to yeah. and I just don't know how to, how they can do it better. It's yeah. tough. You, yeah. Yeah. It's like nice. the nature of the beast, like we're all part of it, and it's just kind of... Yeah, and, and I had this discussion with somebody the other day. I'm like, you know, like they were asking like for this, uh, they're they creating this um, video page, and they wanted like this channel. And I said to them, like, I, I need to understand what you guys are doing, because a lot of the times now it just seems like guys want to build their own thing through other people's content, and then they are building a business, a profitable business, and you, you end up with nothing. And at the end of the day, we're all just like trying to squeeze what we can out of this yep. little business. I mean, we're all trying to just make a living and yep. it kind of sucks. And um, I have no problem if somebody asks permission. 100% of the time, I will, if somebody asks me for a video, I'll like, free, you're free to use it. Like if you guys ask me, I don't have an issue with it. If you want me to send some of the videos, I've got some of my videos that's online for sale. I don't care about that at the stage because the money is not like, that is so little because of all the piracy that's happening. So if people ask me, I just give the stuff randomly yeah. away. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. No, that's crazy. But yeah, you. I think you convinced me to do Mongolia. Yeah. The long loop around. It's like, because yeah. for me, it's the whole experience. It's not just the time in, but it's like the people yeah. are awesome. Floating, camping, yes. yurts, 
all of that is like part of the whole experience. And and there's a fish called so you got um, uh, grayling, lenoc. You've got some perch species. You've got the amor pike. The the unique thing about the the lenoc, and I'm I stand corrected. Somebody might just get angry with me that, but uh, what I've read up or been told by some of the the, the scientists that are there that the lenoc trout is the OG. That's the original trout in the on the planet that you get there in Mongolia. Okay. Same body as a trout, but this weird kind of like a, almost like a grayling, like a little bit of like a, a different style of mouth than a trout. So, and they're super cool. Catch them on hoppers. It's crazy. And they get like 25, I've had them up to like 28 inches, put up a great okay. fight. And sometimes, I mean, we've had uh, every now and then when you're fishing big hoppers where you'll suddenly get a 40-inch time and decide to eat a big hopper off the surface <laughs> or Chernobyl ant. And you That's awesome. That's awesome. So it usually you get smoked because, I mean, you're on a five weight with, with like six, six X tippet and you just get destroyed by this timing. So how did you go from Seychelles, Mongolia, Norway to... Port O'Connor, Texas. <laughs> like, that is, yeah. Yeah, how did you make that jump? So, I mean, basically, we got the opportunity through all the stuff that happened. My wife and I got the opportunity to come to the U.S. Um, that's kind of a story in itself. But we ended up, uh, luckily enough, I had a friend that works at Yeti, and I've been an ambassador for them for a long time. And he invited me for a fly fishing film tour in Austin. Really loved it. And at that stage, my wife and I had already been in the U.S., but we... We wanted to buy a home and we wanted to settle down. We were here for the long haul. And then we really liked Austin <coughs> and uh, just kind of, uh, I mean, I was literally on a trip in Baja with some of my friends uh, fishing for rooster fish. My wife flew into Austin, looked at two homes, put an offer into one and we bought the home and just moved. And then, I mean. Wait, had you even looked at the house? No. No, no I'd never seen it. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's, had, it's, yeah. but had you been to Austin before? Just for a short bit for the film tour. Okay, so I, so okay. I, That's crazy. Yeah, I, I kind of had the highlight reel, but I knew that Austin was a cool, it's a cool city. I mean, yeah. we really, really love it. And then, um, and then I, again, through the industry, through Yeti, I got to meet JT and Alvin and all those OG guys on the Texas coast. And they, uh, they kind of uh, inspired me to start guiding. And I've, I told JT very early on, we did it. We actually did a Yeti podcast and said, you man, I'd love to have a skiff and guide on Texas coast and make a living from it. And uh, he said, just do this. And I kind of followed that steps too. And uh, now, now uh, this is literally now I've done it for five years on the Texas coast. There's a reason why I'm there. What I do out on the flats very seldom gets seen on social media because there are some wild things that happen on the Texas coast. Not necessarily just Port O'Connor, but like there are some insane fish to catch. Uh, one fish I'm happy to talk about is Jacks because they're so close to me. Well, and yeah, we yeah. watched your film last night. Yeah. That cool. you did, which was awesome. awesome. Yeah, Thank really. Well. And, <laughs> and go pumped to go and catch look, jacks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, jack. A lot of people don't like jacks, but like I've been trying to catch a jack on the coast for a long time. Yeah. And it just seems like that never has just lined up perfectly. Um, but man, I would love to go right hammer some jacks. And and I've got it now. Look, I mean, it's still fishing. It's hard for me to like guarantee anything. But I've got gotten to spend enough time now where I've got. Even now, like even how busy the flats are in those places, like I've got spots now where I'll just anchor up on a trolling motor and catch jacks all day long yeah. and just like big schools of fish coming through and not see another person out there. Maybe like a boat crossing around far away, a conventional guy that don't yeah. really care about jack fishing. So that's definitely been one of the most appealing parts of, of the Texas coast for me is f finding this fish that just simulates those GTs. Um, so, and, and like, I mean, they... They can get wild. Like, it is as much of a GT experience as anything else. So, um, 
it's 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 awesome. I, I really like it. And and then there's other special things. I mean, the red fishing to catch a classic red fish on the flat, seeing it come up on the fly, sight fishing, tailing fish, just cruising fish. It's 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 very very beautiful. Even like the 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 black drum, I'd noticed like a lot of people were kind of put off by the smelly fish and those. But, but what's better than trying to catch a 50 pound fish tailing <laughs> on a flat with a fly? Like why wouldn't yeah. you even want to attempt that? Yeah. Um, and my clients, like, when they get them closer and they smell them and they're like, oh, there's a little bit of I'm like, you caught them now, you have to hold them. We're going to get a photo with this one. <laughs> so I kind of push them in a little bit of a corner. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so many opportunities. Sheepies, like, they'll drive you insane, the whole deal. So, um, and I would say the Texas coast, for me, was one of the hardest fisheries to uh, learn to navigate and guide just because of the there's some dirty water like some spots you have to follow channels there's oyster beds the tide just varies from the wind phase and all that kind of stuff so a lot of things to learn but um I, i'm getting there i i i, I kind of uh, didn't want to like uh like tell that i'm say everybody that i'm an expert on the texas coast because there's guys that's been paying their dues for a long time and with the day the day of social media we have now everybody considers himself an expert after a year but <laughs> like i'll get there i'll, I'll get there and, and then well, at that point not only that there's so many areas you have south padre you have baffin bay which is this whole own unique yeah. deal you have rockport you're in port o'connor which is completely different there's just like these kind of micro ecosystems that completely change even just moving like 50 miles down the coast which is crazy yeah, yeah i mean it's 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 definitely and uh Again, if you spend enough time on there, your eyes will get opened up with what's out there and what's possible. It's still, a, like I'll never ever stop saying it, it's still fishing. So there's going to be tough days and people don't accept the tough days then they're not going to have the great days. Yep. So um, so that's just kind of part and parcel. But again, also like if you go further south, how beautiful clear that water is, South Padre, just crystal clear water. It reminds me a lot of some of the South African beaches that we have. And then there's days on like on the Texas coast, we lucky with like Rockport, Port O'Connor, and Port A, where you can have days where you're fishing crystal clear flats and it looks like a bone fishing flat where yep. you just see the redfish just cruising yeah. along. They're not always the easiest that day, but you <laughs> can have those days for yeah. sure. Yeah. What, uh, what is one of your most memorable fishing trips that you've done? Um, you know, like uh, I, I, this is probably one of my favorite places on the planet, and I will never stop saying this because it's going to take a lot for me to not... So Africa, I'm biased with Africa. So I like all the fish, the tiger fish, the, 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 we've got GTs or as they call it, kingfish. But then a s one thing that I can't believe that it hasn't gotten more like media is just the giant tarpon we have on the west coast of Africa. Oh, and also I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, so the world record tarpon on conventional gear is from Africa. It's a, a, like a 280-pound, close to 300-pound fish. Oh That's the world God. record. But <laughs> like, I mean, there <sighs> are some giants. Like, we've, we've now landed tarpon up to, um, like, legitimately, like, measured out because we, we're obviously not killing any of the fish. So we're just measuring them out and comparing them to what the, uh, the IGF, uh, no, B, uh, BTT has, like, a, G, a tarpon calculator. So you can punch in the numbers. And most of the tarpon we catch, there are usually off the grid with regards to the girth. But we've caught them up to, like, 94 inches by can't remember all the girth but i mean those are close to 280 300 pound top and on fly oh man so i mean we're not using 20 pound tippet but um they there and these big laid up fish and again maybe people get put off because it's not classic florida we've got these strings of fish over a crystal clear flat coming through but seeing a laid up 
close to 300 pound fish with like five little 120 pound fish hanging around it is a sight to see. <laughs> a little 120 <laughs> pound fish. Yeah, a little. <laughs> then it's just like these males to trying guy. to get it on with yeah. the girls. <laughs> and then you, you throw in like um, I said uh, on one of my speaking things, I said like, uh, so then we've got the big uh, giant African threadfin, which is like this redfish looking fish that gets also of 100 pounds that looks super bizarre got these big tentacles you've got all the jack species uh, longfin jack jack ravel uh, spotted jack whatever whatever and then you've got another so people don't know we got cabera snapper so not last year the year before the fishing report that they were just i don't know just a mammoth amount of giant uh cabera snapper in the system where the this guys from african water were guiding they were catching them up to 60 kilos on fly this is that's over 120 pound cabera snapper on a fly rod on foot on a beach so Granted, it's not fishing for everybody. Like, you've got the wild of Africa. You're still fishing in the surf. You have to have a stripping basket. You've got to be willing to get pounded by waves. You've got to be willing to fish at 2 a.m. in the morning with the pitch dark, with flies fly, like your flies flipping around you with a 12 <laughs> weight. So it's not everybody's seen for fly fishing, but you can hook up to anything there. So it's wild. It, it's definitely one of my favorite. Another place that's wild that I did pretty recently is Cameroon. Again, with the African water boys, they're so on, on point when it comes to all the African fisheries, is uh, where we're fishing for giant Nile perch in a system that shouldn't exist because most Nile perch fisheries is wiped out. And Nile perch, for people that don't know them, I mean, they're like a bass that grows to th over 200 pounds. Oh, wow. Well, way over 200 pounds. Uh, so, I mean, the guys, they, I'll send you guys all, the, all these photos and stuff, all yeah. these locations, yeah. but... I mean, they've landed them up to, I wouldn't say, again, it's something you do every night, but they've landed them up to, uh, like, 180 pounds on fly on foot. But then you have to chase them down this intricate little river that sometimes you can cast across. They just, what happens is these big null perch gets, uh, when the dry season happens, they all get, like, uh, uh, they get flushed into this smaller river system. And uh, weirdly enough, it's because there's been some game reserves around it that this place is one of the only ones that's been protected and, Luckily, they're doing a great job now. I just said again to some people that uh, if it wasn't for a lot of these locations, I get on social media a lot of flack when people say, oh, how can you catch those fish? You're destroying those fisheries, and why are you harming the fish and all that stuff? What people don't understand, it's like big game hunting. If, if those lodges and fisheries didn't exist to take clients to, if they weren't paying clients to go to those locations, those places would be poached out. They, they wouldn't exist. So catching those few fish and paying the money to catch those fish is protecting all the other fish. Same as with hunting. Sending people in to go hunting spots is the one thing that saves all the animals because that mm -hmm. money goes into conservation. Conservation. Of yeah. So there's yeah. a there's kind of get weirded out when people get way over tree hugging, like a little bit over, like too much. Like you, there's a point where you have to realize, like do your research. Like well, I think there's just some ignorance yeah. there. Yeah. I don't think that they have done the due diligence of looking and saying, okay, someone's going to maybe go shoot a lion in Africa, but they're shooting an old male. They're spending a lot of money. That money is being put back into that game preserve that's preserving the younger lions that are there, and they're not doing that. They're just saying, like, oh, someone is shooting a lion in Africa, and there's not that many left, so it's bad. Yeah, that lion reminds me of my cat at home. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And again, maybe that's not for us. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not signed up for a hunt to go shoot, but right. I have friends or, or people that do, and you guys know the program, so it, it, it goes a long way. And, yep. you know, since living in the U.S., uh, you know, again, I don't want to, like, sound too weird, but 
living in the U.S. is comfortable. Like we have been able to in the last five years, my wife and I, funnily enough, she actually managed to get her citizenship yesterday. I still have to do my interview. Oh, oh really? Wow. So, so she's a citizen now. And, Congrats. Uh, thank you. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a process. But since living in the we can't imagine a better lifestyle living outside of the U.S. Like it is so comfortable. There are opportunities. You know, people don't see all the hard work that goes in. Like, I mean, these podcasts, people just listen to them on the radio. They don't know all the audio stuff that goes with all trying to put it together, get the people together. It's an, everything is work. There's not, not like anything comes for free, but the opportunity, the, the U.S. gives you that opportunity and it's comfortable, man. Like, I, I, I wish more people would, uh, would, and again, I, I promote a lot of traveling, not just for very expensive locations, but just to get out of the U.S. and out of your comfort zone. I'm, I'm a very big advocate of, for, like I say this to my wife a lot, like I want to get to a lot of very uncomfortable situations to make a lot of other things seem super comfortable. Yeah. So, and that's the game. Like just really put yourself in some 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 bad situations to feel comfortable. Makes you appreciate too, mm, yeah. like all the other things. So, yeah. so what are some of the weirdest things that happen in the U.S.? Like what are some things that you consider weird or <laughs> abnormal that we do? Uh, uh, well, I mean, they, it seems like because like in let's say for example in africa people are worried about what food they're going to have at night we just like I'm, I'm hungry i'm gonna go get some food now real so so but in africa there's legitimately a problem on people getting food on the table whereas uh, and that's a real problem whereas in the u.s like i even see now within the fly fishing spaces like people are like talking about all sorts of like racism and diversity and it's a very controversial subject i don't like talking about it but i'm from africa and I might be a white dude, but I've worked my ass off to get where I, got, uh, where I am. And, like, I'm not going to suddenly start putting all my GPS marks on the social media so that other people can go fish my spots that I've worked for, paid for, and worked my butt off to go and understand. Yeah. So there's, there's people that are complaining about very superficial things. Weird gender. What the heck? Like, whatever you want to be, who cares? Like, do what you want to do. But they put such emphasis on all that kind of stuff, but there's more important stuff to worry about. So you're saying that it's a lot of... What people are complaining about here is superficial, whereas in Africa where you grew up, you didn't know if you were going to eat dinner. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough. I, I had a loving family, mom and dad. They looked after us. wouldn't say that we were very financially gr great. They, they, we had enough. I mean, we, we had, but there's a lot of people that are, have real-world problems. Um, and not saying, again, I don't want to, like, take anything away from the, the issues that stand in all those different subjects with gender and equality and all that kind of stuff. There are issues with that. But I feel like it, some of it should just be like more of a non-issue because it's more like every, I don't feel like anybody should be included, excluded in fly fishing. I feel like it's become a lot more of an open space. Like whoever you are, doesn't matter if you want to fish and, and don't feel scared. Like anybody listening to this, if shoot me a message. Sometimes it takes me a couple of weeks to get back, but I will never ever, if somebody has a question about fly fishing, not try at some point and get back to them. It, it, it pains me when I've got an email in my inbox or a message on social media. Sometimes those messages goes to this weird folder that I'm going to have to go look for it. But um, it, it's, it, fly fishing is for everybody. It's, it's not, not just for a specific crowd. So I welcome everybody. And if anybody has a question, please ask. I can't always ask them answer them immediately, but I will. I will do my best. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think uh, the, 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 there's just, yeah, there's... Le le lesser problems of what I see, what I think is a real problem uh, that I see in the U.S. becoming a problem. Like uh, th those stuff are just minor issues to me. What do you miss most about South Africa? <coughs> um, you know, like we've got the one thing in South Africa 
that we have is, is we've got an absolutely beautiful climate. We have got uh, no natural disasters. We've got uh, a beautiful scenery. Um, I managed after, this was the first time in five years that my wife and I went back to uh, South Africa this last December to go visit family. And, you know, like you miss like a, a, what we call a braai, which is like our grill where you go and grill meat on an open flame like you do in Argentina. You know, you miss family, definitely. Uh, miss walking on the beaches there in Bay with my dad and my family. And, uh, I mean, there's small things that we'll always miss. But, again, we can't, the, we can't uh, regret any move that we made because we're living such a great lifestyle in the U.S. And now my parents can now come and visit. And now we potentially in the position where we can help other people get to the U.S. Um, the one thing that we've realized about the U.S. is, you know, there's also a lot of things in the news about how difficult it is to get to the U.S. And it is, but what the U.S., what we've realized is what they want in the U.S. is they want you to contribute to the U.S. as a whole. So you need to try and add value. You need to pay your taxes. You need to do all that stuff. Then it's very open. Like, it's, 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 it's a process, but it's easier to come in. So now we are able to, and there's a lot of people that want to come over to U.S. that I know just because of the lifestyle they can create. Even like being able to be a full-time fly fishing guide be on a skiff and then see my wife the same day or the day after is just like something that doesn't really exist in in a lot of other places in the world so it's um it's it's nice but definitely miss a, a few things in south africa yeah yeah, yeah. obviously a lot of the food stuff because you can see like this this frame doesn't just happen because <laughs> it happens because of good eating <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's awesome what do you got zach um what's your what uh what's your next film was uh, Jacks? Was Jacks your most recent one, or had you have more in the? W I'm sure it seems like you always got to be working on something. <laughs> I, I do like to keep something in the pipeline. So um, there's there's one that Costa actually did with myself and um, a friend of mine, Oliver White, that's going to be on the F3T film tour this year. Okay, that's on uh, four different species of permit that we've established now that are ones that you can actively target. So there's the the Atlantic, which is the one you get on the coastline most places that most people know as a permit like belize yes belize mexico i caught Florida. one last year so that would have been an atlantic permit atlantic permit correct yes and i mean it's a big feat catching one permit is already a big achievement then you get the blocky which is the indo-pacific permit which we catch in the seychelles and we catch them in australia um, those are yellow yellow yeah yep. yeah yep. so they've got that gold and yellow on them the, the Anak is one that's, I think, only found in Australia. They call it a snub-nose too. It has similarities to a blocky, which is the Indo-Pacific permit, but the Anak is unique in the sense a little narrower, shorter fins. They call it a snub-nose, so it's got a big round nose. So that's the third species. And the final one is also something that happened pretty recently. It's called the Africanos, which you pretty much can only target in Oman. Um, I deemed them uncatchable when I was conventional fishing because guys used to catch them on bait on the South African sort of east, northeast coastline. Um, but they never seemed in position to be able to target with a fly. And then a friend of mine, Nick Bowles, and there was another uh, a couple, Brandon and Claire, that started finding these fish eating on oyster beds in Oman. And now you can actively sight cast these permit. Mm -hmm. So the film is on all four of these species. And the final one is the one that we tick off. So it's kind of like a like a, a process and then yay uh, we managed to do it at the end of the day and it's awesome um, and then we I'm definitely working with my buddy RA on a few more just like local US uh, projects just to shine a little bit more light and not trying you know we I've gotten some crazy messages before on like what trust fund baby I am and why am I promoting these places that nobody can go to and it's horrible and I'm a horrible trust fund baby and like none of this has ever happened because 
I've been in the Seychelles because I guided my butt off there for just almost no money. I, I've been to Mongolia because I guided there. I've been to Norway because I guided there. And Russia, I've guided there. So a lot of these places, like Bolivia, I did host the trips. All the places that I've gone to have either been an exploratory trip where we've managed to secure some funds. Like, I, like the, the, anybody can make it happen if you put your head to it. But, like, I don't have a lot of money in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, uh, like, I'm trying to show people that might not one day have all that money to go to the Seychelles. At least they can, they can see it. I'd yeah. rather want to see it than not know about it at all. So that's the game. But now we kind of wanted to show people in the U.S. because there's amazing fisheries around the U.S. So just want to highlight a little bit yeah. more stuff close to home that is a little bit more financial, easier to get to. Yeah. That yeah. permit one sounds sweet. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be next year? So it, it is actually on the, so we watched the IF4 last yep. year, the International Fly Machine Film Festival, and then there's the other film tour called the F3T, F3T Fly Machine yeah. Film Tour. And I don't know which places they're going to be in in Texas, but uh, it's going to be on this year's one. So right. we, now we're working on one for 24, that's going to be another maybe potentially redfish. We're potentially doing something in the jungle. Um, so there's a, there's a few things happening. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like you've been on like the... Let me ask you this. What's your proudest proudest thing that you've accomplished in fly fishing? For a guy that's done a lot <laughs> and you've can you know hit the top tier on a lot of things, what is your the proudest thing that you've accomplished? I mean, so from a pure fishing point of view, um, is the latest one and the probably one of the pinnacles because I know what it takes to get it done is the four species of permit. Yeah. I mean it's mm -hmm. a it's a lot of traveling involved and a lot of grinding and a lot of not catching stuff. Um, that that's from like the fishing point of view. I'd say I was really proud of that. From a from a guiding point of view, um, I'd probably say catching a uh, over a 200 pound tarpon, very close to here last year with a client. Uh, five hour, 53 minute fight. That was pretty pretty badass. Yeah. I'd never forget that. Actually, getting a replica made for my house in Port O'Connor, and then um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's what it it was a wild <laughs> wild experience. Like I mean, you can imagine like. Yeah, it, it, it was, it, and I've fought sharks for a very, very long time, but this was a mammoth task. And what happened is, is we damaged the back of the fly line, so I kind of had to chase the fish a lot of the times. And uh, we were kind of playing a little bit of a cat and mouse How game. How did the fly line get damaged? So the fish just ran and uh, just got, <coughs> it ran around some structure because we kind of, f like, the client felt the line kind of like rub a little bit. And then when I saw the line pop up, like just the core was exposed. Ooh. So you just had an, I knew, we saw how big that fish was. I was like, we are not losing this fish yeah. today. So how did you manage that? So I, I ran to the fish and all I did is, is I told the client to pump the fish as hard as they could with a short pe a section of fly line that we've got. And if it gets into that line, I'm going to start following it again. So we had to grind every single moment we were in that, fr in that section of fly line that we could fight with. And then once it got out of that, and it happened a hundred times we had got out of that section and I just had to chase it down and it was a lot of stress and um, but like a lot of the big girls they don't jump as much it jumped once but we saw it roll when, before it ate next to the boat and it, I knew this was like a fish of a lifetime so it it was a very very special moment and some of my favorite clients that I spend a lot of time with from Dallas so it was re, uh, from, from Houston um, so it was a great experience Mark and Sherry Provenzano great clients of mine um, that, that from a guiding point of view is definitely a pinnacle f as of recent years and then um, I mean just being able to 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 set up a life with my, my wife and myself in the US through fly fishing I mean the lady when we did the green cards um, so we still technically can stay forever my wife just has now become an American so African American in a sense but um, she but um, 
even the lady that did the interview, she's like, so how did you guys get to the US? I'm like, through fly fishing? And she's <laughs> like, well, I didn't understand what the heck you mean. <laughs> yeah. like, I've never seen anybody come to the US. Um, the, the actual visa that we got, like on the on the visa, it said on my one said it's it's called alien with extraordinary ability. It's <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever seen say on something. So it was very unique, and that 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 I think I know our families are very proud of us also being able to accomplish uh, something like that and set up a life for ourselves, and now being able to help some of the other family uh, do something like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just just always want to try and accomplish as much as possible. I think that the point that I've reached now is is now. I've kind of reached the age and have have really been proud of what I've done that where now it's almost I want to try and reach a point where now I can just more see what I can leave behind for the next generation then I, th I think you get remembered more for what you leave behind than what you've accomplished at the end of the day yeah, so now yeah. it's kind of like doing all the other more like teaching other people more a little bit more conservation and all that stuff it's not always the fun subjects to talk about like the old grip and grin photos on social media but it, it means a lot yeah What's yeah. uh, real quick? What's one conservation thing that's kind of like at the forefront of your your energy right now? So I mean, now being on Texas coast, it's my technically my home water. So um, I'm I'm uh, <coughs> trying to uh, work. I've I've started working with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation. So I'm one of the um, ambassadors, and then um, so slowly I I started like writing a few things on what I've seen from an outsider's perspective on the Texas coast and how we can look after it a little bit better. Because at the moment it's very rich and like it's a very rich environment, lots of bait fish, lots, still a lot of fish around. But like sometimes I feel like people are taking it a little bit for granted yeah. because it seems so easy accessible. So I think a lot of my energy is going to start going more and more into that. And um, kind of I think the guys from Captains for Clean Water wants to set up a simple, similar uh, uh, program here. I think Texas has done a lot compared to Louisiana with regards to restrictions. Louisiana, yeah. Louisiana still seems super backwards. But uh, it's it's a process and you can even see like a generational thing like the older guys are tougher to to teach but i mean like with my dad too everything is catch and release and he works really hard and all that stuff and he comes from a generation where they used to kill everything so yeah. um, that's going to be a lot of energy and myself and my buddy oliver white i mean we've been working on this for like four years maybe five years now where we wanted to do an industry school where we wanted to not just we wanted to have kids have the option on what they can accomplish in the industry so be able to make a living out of it, not necessarily as a guide, but like teach them like, yes, you can, we teach them the whole process of becoming a guide. Maybe they go work at a lodge, maybe they go work at a fly shop and then they can know how to work a website, a camera, social media in a sense, just to kind of make a, so just to teach more people and maybe just teach them the right way and not like, so I've always said that I wanted to create and mold my own business and income if social media dies today. Like, um, the only thing that I do now for the most part is, is literally when I'm driving or if I've got spare time, I listen to podcasts because I find that very interesting listening to other people, spending my time there and like uh, I'll, I'll still watch some other fishing, fishing shows and stuff, but I definitely try not uh, have my whole life controlled around social media. I just yeah. really want to make more. There's more to life than that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, it's still a. No, it's, I think that's a good input. It's it's been it's had pros and cons. I think social media has been able to. We might have spoken on social media, and never met. Now it kind of feels like we're friends in yeah. a sense. Mm, so yeah. that's also the great thing about it. Yeah. I think it's become brought a lot of people closer together. What's your all-time favorite fish? Uh, look, I mean, I've 
built the majority of my career around GTs, and I think it's going to be hard to top it off my list, although I love tarpon, I love uh, bonefish, I love all those other... I'm a fish slut. I catch anything that's... <laughs> <laughs> Take me to the river, yeah, I'm going to try and catch anything. Yeah. Um, so, so, but GTs, just with their attitude, the way they chase a the fly, um, just they like kind of like these bullies of the flats and they really have an attitude and they humble us a lot of the time. So now, it's going to be hard to... I've never caught one, but are they pretty friend friendly? Like redfish is a fisherman's friend. Yes. They're, they, I mean, at times they can be picky, but generally as a whole, they're friendly to the fishermen. If you get a fly in front of them, they're going to eat. Yeah. Is the GT the same way or can, can they be really finicky? No. So GT is also awesome in that sense from yep. a guiding point of view. They smoke a fly from like 30, 40 feet away. <laughs> they, yep. they, their eyesight's phenomenal. Um, but from the point on when you when you get to eat, if the client trout strike, they'll they they're very unforgiving from the point where they eat, eat the fly. fly. Mm. And when like I try and explain to guys, you like with other fish sometimes like even with a, like a slot sized redfish, you kind of fight it a little bit, so you get a little bit of excitement out of that. When you are fishing for GTs or big fish like that, you go into war. So you have the 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 tackle set up to perfection. Um, everything can still go wrong. Like this last, I just got back from Cosmolito with the hosted group, and I managed this one afternoon to get a couple of casts. The client granted me a few casts, and I hooked the absolute behemoth 100-pound-plus fish and um, hooked it. It ate the fly pretty close to the boat. I knew it was a giant. Um, it, it, there was a lot of line that I had cast out, so I had to untangle all of that. It wrapped around my body. I got that off, oh. and then it tangled around the first eye as it goes from the reel to the rod, and the only thing I could think of was jump in the water and just try and... And then I jumped in the water. It, the guide and the other client looked at me like I was nuts. But um, this fish actually towed me for about 10 feet before it broke the line. I thought at one stage, like, I'm being towed. This is perfect. I can tie the fish out before the line breaks. And as I stood, I thought that the line <laughs> broke. So. But uh, I, I, I told the client, like, he's like, why would you do something like that for a fish? I was like, I would... I, I've swam so much for fish for clients that it, I know when it's a fish of a lifetime and you, what, you, what you sometimes need to do. Yeah. yeah. Get yeah. the job done. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's special. There's a lot of crazy stories out there. So crazily enough, not more people have gotten hurt. What's the craziest thing that you've ever seen happen? So, I mean, not a lot of people really know this. It might be the first time people know it, but I was in a pretty big plane crash last year in a chartered flight. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, what happened? I mean, it was just engine failure. Um, plane went down in the jungle. Uh, I mean, I, I'll probably just, out of respect for the outfitter, not mention yeah, too much yeah. around it. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, it was pretty wild as to the point where, like, our, our, uh, we, we, we had to hike away, like, from this whole crash site, like, for four hours, got to a riverbank. Um, you're in the middle of a jungle. So, luckily enough, long story short, they managed to find our GPS coordinates. They sent a helicopter, but... They only had to. They could only send the helicopter the day after, and we had like even jaguars circling our camp, and that's why the guys gave me this like tooth because it's like I, we I made a lot of noises to get them away from the camp and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So uh, that was a pretty wild experience. But I mean, I've had some stuff with with uh, with the piracy early days in the Seychelles. Had some pretty wild things in Africa where some uh, illegal gold miners were were firing shots at us and. Uh, I mean, I've even had fi shots, warning shots fired at me in Texas coast from some duck hunters <laughs> too. So it's the wild west out there. Don't make any mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's, I, I, it makes me 
they have a lot more appreciation. I'd if if I go out one day, I'd want to go out pretty dramatically. If it's like that, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I'd just be very. The only thing that it made me realize a lot more is family and my wife. I don't want anybody li left behind, not yeah. being taken yeah. care of or anything like yeah. that. So, that's the only real thing where where we can become serious about stuff. Well, Yago, man. Uh, uh, we're gonna have to let you go because you have a presentation. <laughs> so, um, thank you so much yeah. for talking with this us. This was thank you. awesome. This was awesome. Thank you. Really, thank really you. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, we really appreciate it, and we'll let you go. There's one person I want to introduce you to before we go. So before you go to your presentation, I want to walk you over there. Cool. And have you meet him because I think you'll like his flies, and uh, it'll be sweet. I'm gonna sh I'm gonna get, hook him up with Chase. Oh yeah. Yeah. For cool. sure. Yep. Awesome. All right. Cool. Hey. Thank you so much. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.